This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Not, Not as happy a crew today in the WST chat, I'm sure, after a disappointing home loss with so much on the line last night at Canada Life Centre for the Winnipeg Jets, dropping a 3-1 decision to the Calgary Flames. We are going to be all over the Jets' current predicament coming up with Scott Billick, Brandon Rowicki, and Ken Weeb cranking uh, all our favorites into today's show. To recap last night, look at the Jets' current predicament and situation and get ready for Saturday's huge tilt with the Nashville Predators at Canada Life Centre. Should be a great show. Of course, we'll also be paying attention to the Masters leaderboard throughout the afternoon. Keep you up to date on that. Vic Hovland with a monster opening round. He's clear four shots of the rest of the field right now. It's seven under par as we go to broadcast at 1 p.m. Central. So we will get to that, but... um, The uh, major topic today will be what happened last night and what this team needs to do to not fall out of their very precarious hold on the tiebreaker and the eighth playoff in the eighth spot in the uh, in the Western Conference. So uh, welcome to everyone. If you haven't already hit that red subscribe button and join us daily here at 1 p.m. Central Monday to Friday, although tomorrow with Good Friday, we won't be having a show So there's a lot to get to today. We'll also talk a little ice as the Winnipeg Ice completed their first round sweep of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Round two dates are set right now, and I'm sure we'll get to that with some of the fellows as well as we get into today's program. Um, Just before we bring in Michael Remus and uh, hear from Rick Bonus and more coming out of last night's game before Brandon jumps on first. Have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, our newest sponsors, Modern Man Barbershop, Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club, Wallace & Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, the Nikki, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, and our friends over at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. And we will get to a why not question of the day for the gang at Not Auto Corp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Michael Remus, it's never easy with this team. Uh, whew, great atmosphere last night. The crowd brought it. Tons of juice in the building. Um, but we saw that sort of diminish throughout the game as the Jets um, gave up two in the third period and lost a game that... I mean, I guess looking now, they didn't absolutely have to have, but man, they certainly have made their road to the playoffs a lot more difficult after that home loss last night. What's going on? Yeah, it's up. Sorry, uh, everyone. We did have some technical issues uh, off the start that I did not know were happening, but uh, they've been resolved. And yeah, I guess, you know, I guess it was more like a can't lose last night than a must win because uh, <laughs> you hear from the Jets, you know, they're still. In eighth place, you know, you've still got the tiebreaker in Calgary, still have an extra game over them. However, you could have really diminished their playoff chances down to one, which, and you kind of let them back in the game here for the final few. So, you know, you got to win Saturday. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just when you think the Jets have turned a corner. They remind you that they're, you know, the team that they've been the last couple of months. And I don't think they played, it wasn't like the worst. You know, you look at the deserve to win meter on Money Puck, Huss. They were 70 30 for the Jets, but it's just something that's plagued them 
since January 17 is where they're last, or at least as of a week ago, they were last in goals per game. They can't score. That's, you know, five times in the last 10, one game, one goal or fewer. And there's a couple, a couple of those are shutouts. Can't win scoring one goal. And it's kind of the same on the power play. They got the one on the power play, you know, two games in a row with a power play goal, but you had five chances on the power play. You got to, you know, got to score. And, but credit to the penalty kill has, because it could have been worse. With, you know, the, oh, six for six on the penalty kill. So shout out to the penalty killers. And that was a story from, you know, the Rick Bonus and saying they couldn't really get into a rhythm in the game, kind of sucked all energy because you're oh. kind of just sitting back on the penalty kill and all this stuff's going on. You know, it, it, I mean, and I'm not sure how this looked from the television viewpoint, but being in the building, um, I mean, the game itself was, it, it lacked any flow whatsoever because of the parade to the penalty box. I mean, we were joking at the second intermission that there'd been like five or six minutes of five on five play. It was just one power play after another for both teams. And listen, it started off right off the bat with the boarding call to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, And by the way, the fans jumping on Rasmus Anderson after that moment was funny and, and something we hadn't seen in a long time. And I think it just spoke to the juice in the arena that people were maybe, maybe thought that Rasmus took advantage of uh, or milked it a little bit and then came right back out on the ice to get that early power play for Calgary. And the fans did not let him forget it, booing him at every opportunity. And I think that just spoke to the energy in the building and what the fans brought. But a lot of the flow of the play sucked a lot of the life out of the crowd as well. And of course, there was the nervous energy watching a team that certainly early on was clearly the better team just not able to pop a couple goals on some glorious opportunities and give themselves a bit of a cushion. And lo and behold, Calgary found a way to get back into the game in the second period and then, you know, played a desperate brand of hockey, got a goal, and, um, you know, then did not look back. Uh, Jacob Markstrom was awesome last night. He was very engaged, uh, as were many players on both teams, but in particular Pierre-Luc Dubois and Jacob Markstrom last night. And I said, you know, last night, a cautionary tale. The last time Markstrom had gone back-to-back, the second game of the back-to-back was his best game of the season in that 40-save shutout, winning 1-0 against the Minnesota Wild. And he certainly was the reason, at least early on in the first half of the game, that the Calgary Flames were in it. But when you think about the power play opportunities the Jets had, a number of very close point-blank chances with either open nets and big saves by Markstrom, missing the net at times. Um, And, I mean, one of the more bizarre situations we've seen in a long time, Nate Schmidt with not one but two breakaways as a defenseman on the same penalty kill, not power play, penalty kill. Uh, And he had Markstrom beat clean on that second one and just put it outside and... That, in a lot of ways, was sort of the story of the night for the Winnipeg Jets. Not able to capitalize on some pretty good chances earlier on. And when you allow a team like Calgary in their situation to hang around, you know that they're going to punch back. And uh, unfortunately for the Jets, that's exactly what happened last night. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you hear the term look-ahead game, and it's pretty clear that Calgary did look ahead on Chicago and, you know, got down and... Maybe they were saving a little for the Jets, and it was definitely had a playoff, um, you know, like atmosphere there, and it was playoff like intensity. And in the end, it was Calgary who came out on, on top with the two third period goals, and um, 
you know, thankfully they're still, you know, the Jets are still in a spot where they can make the playoffs, but you had a chance where you could, you know, really knock the flames down a 1% playoff uh, probability and you weren't able to do it. And, you know, we were feeling pretty good here after back-to-back games of, you know, six goals each. And um, that, again, you get the one goal, like you're not, you're not going to win when you do that. So uh, it's definitely tough and they'll look to regroup. They did have an optional today. I haven't seen too many updates and, and move forward, but uh, credit to Calgary who played like the more desperate team yesterday as their season was on the line. And the way the Jets spoke after is like, they knew they had a little wiggle room uh, if they lost. They, they d- seemed like they weren't, didn't think it was a must win. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about that. I, I I really thought that the energy from certainly in the building and from the team early on was exactly what you'd want. I thought they played a careful game. They didn't give up too much for the first half of the game, at least. And I, I mean, I can tell you from being in the building, from my perspective, the Jets were, I mean, a, a step or two faster than Calgary early on in the game. Um, and they just weren't able to score. Um, and, you know, you look at what ended up being the uh, the final totals. Obviously, Kyle Connor getting that power play goal. But Connor minus three, Shifley minus three, Pierre-Luc Dubois minus two. And, uh, you know, you waste a strong game from Connor Hellebuck over the most part. And um, more importantly, though, a chance to, um, you know, a chance to really put the Calgary Flames away and all but allow yourself a win and in scenario on Saturday. Still lots of work left to be done. So this is where this leaves the Winnipeg Jets right now. And again, we're going to be getting to this throughout the afternoon with uh, all of our guests. But the Winnipeg Jets are now still holding on to that eighth spot on account of a tiebreaker. 89 points for Winnipeg, 89 points for the Calgary Flames. Calgary's played 79 games and the Winnipeg Jets do have that extra game and the tiebreaker. So officially still in the playoffs, as Rick Bonus mentioned after the game, and we'll hear from him. But there's also the Nashville Predators, three points back of Winnipeg with the game in hand, and of course a head-to-head game against the Jets. Uh, the Predators are playing the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, so uh, the Canes have some really, really tough teams on their schedule. Uh, Calgary Flames, not so much, though. Uh, Calgary gets San Jose. Calgary gets Vancouver. And Calgary gets the Nashville Predators. So, um, you know, Calgary is right back in it on account of their win last night, despite blowing it at home against Chicago the night before. And it really does seem like this is going to come right down to that final week of the regular season, Reem. And this was an opportunity for the Jets to not have to worry about winning those games against Minnesota and Colorado. Nice to have those games still to be played. Um, But it would have been a lot nicer for them to take care of business at home and then start planning playoff tickets, whiteout parties on that final week of the regular season. But uh, I think this is going to come right down to game 81 and game 82 for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, a couple things that came out of last night's game that I, that I, and I'm interested if anyone in the chat felt the same way. Now, the penalty kill had been awesome last night. And in the second period, on one of the, one of the many penalties that the Winnipeg Jets were killing, there were seven seconds left on the kill. And Rick Bonus threw at Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor to ostensibly finish up the final seven seconds of the kill and then, you know, have your top offensive players try to get back on the other way. And I, the minute I saw that, I said to uh, my pal that I was sitting with, 
this makes me really nervous. The job is not yet done. And with all due respect to what those guys do well, those are not guys that uh, I want to entrust with any part of a five-on-four situation in a 1-1 game. And uh, lo and behold, and this wasn't directly right off the face-off, and it wasn't technically a power play goal, but very shortly after that, the puck didn't come out, and it ended up in the back of the net. And uh, and we'll hear from that from Rick Bonus. And again, it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback on all of this. But, Remo, my spidey senses were tingling when I saw that, and sometimes you get that little knot or pit in your stomach feeling like something bad is going to happen, and that's exactly what did. Yeah, but they went down and had, uh, I mean, they had the, the chance. What was it, two-on-one nice pass, and you're not able to score, and it goes back down, and, um, you know, Brendan Dillon, he's playing pass all the way on that pass from uh, was Backlund to Mangiapane, and, Back when I, you could have just walked in and like had one on one with the goalie, but still made the pass. I mean, somehow got on Manjapani's stick, and it was awesome execution by Calgary on that back. I mean, you watch that play; he's got a, a full, full direct lane to the goalie, and still went for the pass. And Dylan was was there, but I mean, it was just that perfect of a pass in the perfect spot. It was almost like. Uh, Eli Manning to Mario Manningham in the, in the Super Bowl. And, <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was, I don't know, and Hellbuck couldn't slide across. And who, the Zadorov goal? I mean, you get him going side to side, and then you take a shot and and bury it. So, uh, I don't know, it was tough. I guess you felt the spidey senses. I don't know if that led to the goal, but you look at the numbers and see, oh, Mark Shafley and Kyle Connor were on for three goals against guys who've, you know, had trouble scoring and have been on for too many goals against the last couple of weeks. Um, I think it's un- unfortunate. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if I can blame them. They what they no, didn't score. Yeah. No. No. Listen. I mean, I just bring that up. Is it was. A, I found it a little unconventional, and unfortunately, you know, it ended up going in. But I mean, right before that, there was the three on one for the Winnipeg Jets, um, and that just goes back to uh, essentially what my takeaway from last night was was. Um, Unlike the last couple of games where the Jets did a great job in capitalizing on great scoring opportunities uh, from a combination of maybe not executing the way they'd like and some A-plus goaltending at times from Jacob Markstrom, that game stayed close throughout the first 30 minutes of the game and it allowed Calgary to get back into it because um, they didn't seem like a team in the first period, Remo, that was playing for their playoff lives. To be perfectly honest, I think if one or two of those go in in the first period, I think the Jets run away with that game last night. But that is the peril of um, not putting away a vulnerable opponent when you have the opportunity to do it. And, um, well, we ended up going into the third period in a tie game, and the next thing you know, the Jets are playing from behind. And then it was a two-goal lead, and uh, that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, Listen, before we get to Brandon, Let's hear from uh, a little bit of feedback from uh, the head coach last night. And we'll get into a little bit of Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was very involved in the action last night. Um, as we said, so many penalties like last night, a complete lack of flow that, you know, at times made it a hard game to watch, to be honest. I imagine that would be the same thing from a coaching perspective. Um, Bones talked about the, the style of the game last night. Um. We would have preferred to play more five-on-five. Five. Yeah. Uh, you take six penalties in a game like that, and you're 
shooting yourself in the foot. There's no question about that. So that's what's disappointing. Um, yeah. They took a bunch too, though. So, so are you yeah, they did. Regret I mean, getting we, dragged into that kind of game? Uh, that's not the way we want to play. Um, but, you know, you want your players to play with emotion and passion. And sometimes it gets a little carried away, I guess. All right, bit bonus on uh, on it. Now, I, I don't know about you, Remo. I mean, listen, it was penalty after penalty, but for the most part, they were legitimate penalties. And I think the regret, certainly from a Jets perspective, it was just not being a little more efficient and careful with sticks um, and, and handing over the amount of opportunities that they gave to the Calgary Flames, which kept many of their offensive players on the bench for extended period of times when they weren't out there on the power play. Yeah, um, you know, if, if the Jets had a competent power play, Hess, that you could rely on to score goals, I don't think you'd be hearing that. I mean, their penalty kill has been awesome all year, and the power play is among bottom in the league since January 17th. And, you know, when you got five opportunities, including a double minor, one of those is a double minor, um, although that might count for, for two anyways, they scored, they did score on that, uh, on the part of that, but... I mean, if they can convert any of those chances, you go up two nothing, you know, early, and you can. It seems like once they got the first goal, they were going to run away with it, but uh, that was not the case. You had a couple chances there, you know, Dubois. I'm thinking um, at the side of the net from a nice Morrissey pass was one. I mean, a great pass from Ehlers to Kyle Connor, and that's kind of what I thought we were going to see a lot this year. But Ehlers really didn't get that power play one time, and we've seen him make that play before. So uh, definitely a tough. Uh, a tough situation there for the for the Jets here with all you know all the penalties. Yeah, I mean that really was the story last night. Bones talked a little bit more about just not being able to get in the flow of the game because of all the power plays on both sides. When you can't, you know, you, you, you when you want to get your bench rolling and play fast, and you keep taking penalties, you can't you can't get your game going. You can't. So there's too many times that because of all the penalties, we were playing slow, and that's not how we want to play. But every time we tried, it seemed like we could get something going, we took a penalty. Then started got to start all over again. Um, so that's not how we want to play. That's, yeah. All right, so a little bit more of bones on the penalties. Now, one of the things that became far more difficult for the Winnipeg Jets as the game went on, especially into the third period, was their ability to attack and get speed through the neutral zone, which I thought was there um, plenty early on in the game. It didn't as things got tighter, and especially once they were playing from behind. Bones talked about the uh, challenges of getting speed through that neutral zone last night. We, we needed to generate some more speed through the neutral zones, what we were really focusing on the last 10 minutes, um, moving the puck, and you'd, like they were all back up and they're standing up and making you shoot it in, then you got to go to work. And Listen, we hit the post late in the game. We had a breakaway late in the game. They got a lucky break on their second goal. So the chances, you know, that we had didn't go in. We had in the second period, we have a three-on-one. We don't score. They go down and two-on-one, they score. It was one of those nights. Yeah, he uh, kind of uh, just laid it out. I mean, uh, certainly an eminently winnable game that did not go their way. And some pretty great chances for the Winnipeg Jets to put the Calgary Flames away weren't capitalized on. And uh, next thing you know, they're trying to generate that speed through the neutral zone to start up a comeback. Um, here's the question of Murat asking Bones about um, that end of the penalty kill where uh, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley were out there. 
On that second goal, I'm not saying this is why it happened, but it was unique. You ran Shifley and Connor with seven seconds left. Was there a sense that, hey, it's only seven seconds, we'll get out of it, go? No, it's a right-hand sentiment, and Kevin was coming off, and Mark had, you know, so the chances of getting that face-off were better, but we had control of the puck in the corner, and we threw it away. That's what caused the problem. Yeah, so, um, I mean, again, it's not focusing in. I, it, it, just, it did seem weird to me in a 1-1 game where – even getting to overtime probably would have been a pretty good result for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, and again, it's very easy to uh, nitpick after the fact, but uh, it was something I noticed when it happened. And then, of course, shortly thereafterwards, unfortunately, the Winnipeg Jets were down. Um, there was a successful goalie interference challenge last night, uh, which took forever. Uh, it was one of the longest challenges I can remember and just added to the tedium of um, so many things that were happening, preventing this game from really getting going last night. Uh, Bones talked about the successful challenge after the game. Listen, you are rolling the dice. We saw the guys bump into Connor and he spun him around. He couldn't get set for the next shot. It could have gone either way, uh, but you got to call it because our goalie got bumped and they scored. Uh, Our penalty killers were doing a good job, so it was worth the gamble. Yeah, and I think the key part of that, Remus, is... um, I mean, listen, the goal is so important and the ability to get that one off the board and maintain the one nothing lead, I think, showed that it was the right call. But if you're Rick Bonus right now, and this really is credit to the penalty kill, which has been really good all season long, I think you've got the confidence, the have the ability to go for challenges like that in that situation because you know that chances are your PK is going to get the job done as they did consistently last night if it doesn't go your way. And Connor Hellebuck, you know, when he gets interfered with, he'll let them know, um, you know, you saw the replay, the skate into the pad, and he got turned around. You know, sometimes you never know what these challenges, and Hellebuck has been pretty, you know, gone to the bench saying, I was interfered with, and it doesn't go the Jets' way. This was one uh, that they did win, so shout out to them, because that was a pretty important, uh, you know, important call in the game. However, Calgary ended up scoring shortly after that. So you win, but then you still find yourself tied shortly after. Yeah. um, Here's a couple more clips, and then we'll bring in Brandon Rewicki. Um, Big picture, looking ahead with where the Winnipeg Jets are. Bones talked about what uh, they could learn from this and apply in a game they have to have on Saturday. Well, we again, stay out of the box. Let's play five on five and let's play a lot faster. But when you're taking six penalties, it's hard to do what, that, what the way, play the way we want to play. So we got to stay out of the box, play five on five. <laughs> like we've been pretty good lately with staying out of the box tonight, the, the tripping and the pushing and shoving. Well, that's, I don't like the other penalties, the pushing and shoving, they're going off with us. So, but we got to stay out of the box on the other ones. All right, and one more from Bones. I'm reiterating that uh, all is not lost, and his Winnipeg Jets are still in eighth place. We're still in eighth place. That's where it leaves us, and now it's up to us to keep it. Yep. That's where we are. Rick, not the obviously the result you wanted, but the crowd seemed like they, they showed up tonight, gave yeah. you that kind of oh, person. Really great crowd tonight. Yeah. How important are they going to be in this rest of the oh, five minutes? We're going to Saturday night for sure. Yeah, and again on Monday, but again, it's just one of those nights. You, you know, it's one nothing. We go down on a three on one. We don't score, and then they, they go down and score, and you know that that could have been two zip right away. And then all of a sudden, you know we could build off of that. We did, 
we had the chances that we just didn't score to give us, to give us that boost. And even at the end, Adam hits the post. Um, Nick has a breakaway. Like we need, to, they went in the last couple of games. They didn't go in tonight. All right, so there's Rick Bonus. We'll maybe get to a little bit of Pierre Luc Dubois in a few minutes as well. Ken Weeb still to come. Scott Billica later on, and Brandon Rewicki jumping on in just a second. Before we do that. Big shout out to our newest sponsors over at Modern Man Barbershops. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg. Pop by Modern Man's newest locations on either Pemina Highway, just uh, just near Bishop, close to the university, or on Plessy Road. And take advantage of all the great Modern Man Barbershop services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. And give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barbershops. And by the way, if you are a barber looking for work, as uh, Modern Man continues to grow now with a growing location list, they're currently seeking barbers. So you can also send a resume into info at AuraHairGroup.com. Uh, another great new sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk is Aquatech. Make 2023 the year you take the plunge. Thinking about a beautiful pool to take your property to the next level, well, AquaTech is there for you. You can visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their time can their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And AquaTech can also help you out with whole home renovations. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. If you're looking to finance, their team can provide plans that suit you. Uh, Aquatech is ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, hey, uh, spring is going to come, people. I know we're dealing with this big dump, but um, we're going to be thinking about those summer toys soon. And whether you need a battery right now for your car, your truck, or that summer toy you're looking forward to getting after it once this snow melts, Manitoba Battery is the most convenient and well-priced option in the city, and they'll bring it to you. Order a battery at lunchtime today or heck right now as we start Winnipeg Sports Talk, and they'll have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco or waiting in line at Canadian Tire. Shop local and let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you at the best prices in town. You can give Donnie and his staff a call at 783-8787 Order online at manitobabattery.com or give them a visit in person down at 1026 Logan Avenue. And listen, I hope we might be cheersing the Jets getting that much closer to the playoffs last night. It didn't happen. Maybe we had to drown a few sorrows with uh, Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, which is also the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the boys here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Canadian Club of Ginger Ales now available in 473 milliliter cans at liquor marts and beer vendors. And we're counting down the days until enjoying a few CC and gingers at IG Field watching the blue and gold. You can pick up Canadian Club at your local Manitoba liquor mart. All right, let's uh, start it off with Brandon Rewicki today on a packed Jets show today on Winnipeg Sports Talk and welcome him in from Skates and Plates. B, what's going on? How are you? I am doing fantastic, man. It is a beautiful day. My favorite day of the year, I think. My favorite weekend of the year, at the very least. So you got um, money on Vic Hovland, don't you? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I wasn't a believer in the short game, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to throw my money down on him. But uh, I I got a 
I mean, I, I can't even give you picks, I guess, because it, it started. But there's, there's a few other guys that 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 tickle my fancy. Uh, Hovland wasn't one of them. But, yeah, he is uh, lights out right now. Pretty good-looking leaderboard. And we'll kind of stay on top of this throughout the afternoon. But uh, Vix at 7-under playing the 15th par 5. We'll see what he does on that. And then at 4, Xander Shoffley, who's always there. John Rahm. And Brooks Kepka looks to be back. The big guy repping the live tour four under through nine. And then uh, Shane Lowry, Adam Scott, Cam Young, Sam Burns, all at three under par. As I said, we'll stay at, we'll stay on top of the, uh, of the masters throughout the afternoon, but uh, let's get to the jets. And yes, I was in a great mood. Long weekend masters is here, but I'll be honest, I was, and I really felt this through the first half of the hockey game that we'd be uh, having a pretty celebratory crew here today talking about another big win at home for the Winnipeg Jets. But um, as I'd said earlier on, I mean, it wasn't like they didn't generate. It wasn't like they didn't come to play. This is a very different game than some of the really disappointing losses for the way the team came out. But man, Brandon, when you allow a team like the Calgary Flames in their situation to hang around as long as the Winnipeg Jets did last night, you can get got, and uh, that's exactly what happened to the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if you're being a little generous there, Huss. Um, and and the reason for that is just we we heard so much talk, and, and again talk, but before the game, uh, specifically from the head coach, but I would imagine that the message was emanating from the players as well that this was essentially a game seven for the team, right? Like it, it's not a true do or die, but the the message was laid out that this is going to be essentially all or nothing for us in this game. And I just did not see that replicated, not not in the effort, I would say, but but just in the intensity factor. And it, to, to me, it was just a continuation of the same problems we've seen for the majority of the second half. I mean, like to me, it was night and day how engaged and ready they were to go against New Jersey, Detroit, as opposed to Calgary. And it was a similar situation that Calgary was coming in, right? A travel Second game of a back-to-back. I, I, I just expected a lot more out of the Jets in this one. I know penalties played a part, kind of disrupted the flow of the game. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I was watching the Tampa Bay-New York Rangers game, you know, in and out while there was intermissions and things like that. Neither of those two teams have anything to play for at this point. They're both locked into, I think, the three seeds in, in their respective divisions. That, to me, looked like a playoff-type atmosphere and game and energy level and intensity. This, to me looked like game seven of the regular season in late October. I was just really disappointed in terms of what the Jets threw out there as far as their best game seven effort compared to what we see the actual good teams in the NHL. Well, you know what? Listen, I'll say this, and you kind of mentioned the penalties. I mean, it was a tough game to watch at times. I mean, it was a slog. I mean, you know, there's at times where, you know, you might go to the bathroom and be a little late to get back into your seat and you're sitting there for six minutes because there's no whistles. Yeah, <laughs> There was a whistle every 20 seconds in this hockey game last night, and I think that did speak to it. But I'll say this, and maybe it was a little different from being in the building and so watching it on television. Um, but, I mean, I didn't feel like the Winnipeg Jets were off of what they were doing beforehand, at least in the first period. I mean, they were clearly a step faster than the Calgary Flames. I mean, they had far greater puck possession chances and it seemed like Calgary was just sort of hanging on at times and I 
really did think that once they got that power play goal on the Lucic double minor, that the opportunity was there to go for the throat. But it didn't happen. They got the benefit of the goalie interference penalty. And then, you know, unfortunately, shortly thereafterwards, Calgary did tie up the game. But to me, the combination of, I think, you know, some tension when things didn't go their way early on, when they actually were playing quite well, to, you know, basically all of a sudden being in a game that, I mean, listen, I thought was eminently, they could have had a far greater lead. When you don't do that, you allow a wounded animal maybe to get back in it. And Calgary, to their credit, found a way to be much more effective in the second half of the game, I thought, than what they did earlier on. And listen, I mean, credit to them for doing it. Credit to Jacob Markstrom for coming up with a big performance when his team absolutely needed it. Um, but the Jets, I thought, did fall off and get away from it a little bit. And part of it was maybe the situation that they were in, realizing that they were that close, I think, to really being in a situation where they could put those guys away. And the next thing you know, in the third period, you're playing from behind. Yeah, yeah. And again, though, for me, like there's got to be a sense of urgency or, or desperation. Like, not, not, you know, let's throw caution to the wind and we're pinching all over the place trying to push for a goal. But like you would... You put away Calgary in that game. Your playoff ticket's booked. Like, it's over. And I, I just didn't see that from the Jets. I, I, I would agree Nothing's that ever easy for this team. Yeah, dude. yeah. Nothing's well, ever easy. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because the Jets have this maddeningly frustrating skill of making the easy things look impossible and the impossible look easy. And I thought that was evident on their, their only goal of the night where it was a literal perfect high-end skill power play marker from the zone entry to the passing Ehlers cross ice and then the shot by Connor that I mean there's there's not too many teams in the NHL that could have pulled that off and the Jets score on that one and then for the next what was it six power plays that they had in the rest of the game they they barely manage a shot on net right like it's it's just I I find that this team in terms of what their identity is and and something along those lines it it, it kind of is what you touched on there that the going got tough later on they didn't really answer to it, right? Like, even in the third period there, it's a 1-1 game. You didn't play your ideal 40 minutes. Like, <laughs> toughen up and go out there and kill them. Like, go go out there and take them. You just need a good 20 minutes. You might even need just a good 10 minutes to take over that game. Yet, there was no real response from the team. And I thought outside of, of PLD, basically Zippo in terms of physical engagement throughout the game, and it's funny, too, because he was the most physically engaged Jet, and I thought it kind of threw him off his game a little bit. But at, at least he was going out there and trying to do something. So even when they do something right, they, they don't totally do it right. So I, I, to, to me, it wasn't it wasn't that the Jets played an awful game or they were poor or anything like that. It's just, to me, any half-decent team goes into that game against, I can't even say mediocre, against a below-average flame squad. They go in there on home ice and beat their brains in. And that's not what we saw whatsoever, and it wasn't good enough. It hasn't been good enough. And I think, for me, all of the good vibes and positivity from those massive wins over the weekend get completely washed away after a a tough one against Calgary. Yeah, you know one other thing that, uh, you know, because, I mean, we had talked about it too. It was sort of like a game seven, and I don't want to say that a little bit of the juice of the matchup was taken away 
when Calgary lost at home to the Chicago Blackhawks the night before. But I mean, for the Winnipeg Jets, it almost turned into, well, we described it as a game six <laughs> because they do, <laughs> nice. they do yeah. have another chance um, <laughs> to, to, to get at it. And as Rick Bonus said, they're still holding down that final playoff spot right now. Um, I mean, listen, if Calgary beats Chicago and wins that game yesterday, you're talking about a team that's now two points up, albeit the Jets do have the benefit of the tiebreaker. Um, Still very doable right now, but uh, the Jets had the opportunity to take care of business on home ice and not have to worry about those road games against Minnesota and Colorado in the final week of the season, which scares the hell out of me, Brandon, because we know you look at the Central Division right now, it's going to come right down to that final game of the season as far as who's getting home ice, who's getting first place. I don't think there's any scenario where the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche are not looking to win those games. And uh, that's going to put a lot on the Jets. Very clear, there is no other option but to win that game against the Nashville Predators on Saturday and finally take care of their nemesis, James (laughs) Reimer, and the San Jose Sharks of all teams on Monday before hitting the road if they do want to be involved in playoff hockey in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, never mind Colorado Mini. We got big, bad San Jose coming to town. That's the toughest of the four right there. It's funny, too, because like I still feel at this point, I would be I would be shocked if the Jets don't nab down that final playoff spot. And and part of it is just, you know, the, the Jets' schedule is fairly inviting with two games that you would probably label as either, you know, should win or must win there. But I, I just don't believe in Calgary at all. <laughs> like Calgary needs to go three and zero just to have a chance in this. I, I believe at least. And I even though their schedule is really easy, they needed a miracle to beat Anaheim, and then they couldn't generate anything against Chicago in the third period of that loss. So I, I, I see Calgary going two and one down the stretch here, and two and two is good enough for the Jets if if that's the case because they hold the uh, the tiebreaker in ROW. So. I, I, I would still be, even with the setback against Calgary, pretty shocked to see them completely fall apart down the stretch here because mediocre play is probably going to be good enough to get you in here. It's just, you know, how many extra games are we getting out of this? You know what I mean? Is it, are we talking five? Can, can the Jets push it to six? Something like that. It, it's tough to really, even though I think they're going to make the playoffs and feel pretty confident in that, it's, it's tough for me to generate a whole lot of optimism that they're going to do anything than just, you know, make an appearance for a couple of days, and then it's off-season talk time once again here in Winnipeg. Yeah, you know what they say in poker, chip in a chair, right? So, uh, I mean, <laughs> if they get to that point, anything is possible. We'll see what happens. Um, and listen, to get to that point, they're going to need to win some games and play some good hockey in the final week of the season. So I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, let's talk about the look. I mean, since we last spoke going into last weekend, there was a couple significant changes to the lineup, and Mark Shifley moved over onto the wing. We saw some great results early with that line and overall with the Jets in the games against Detroit and New Jersey. Um, obviously, not the numbers that you'd like to see with the dash three beside two of your best players and the inability to get it done on five on five. But overall, what have you thought about the look of that line loading up with Dubois, Connor, and Shifley? And was it at all different last night as opposed to you know the high-flying goal machine that looked like we had for six periods over last weekend. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, I, I, you know, even when it happened and, and the second line themselves had a pretty monster weekend as well. I, I, I just, I, I don't like it. I, I just feel like, and especially if you're the GM of this team, like the whole reason you built this forward group was behind one main principle. 
And that was a one-two punch of Shifley Dubois can go up against the best in the West. Like that, That's what this whole forward core is built around. So why you would shy away from that at the most critical time of the season, just it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I still feel like this team's best opportunity at pulling off an upset in the postseason comes with, you know, whatever lines you want to label them, but having Shifley Dubois down the middle there. Nemestikov has been a, a, a great soldier for this team. I, I just think he's overmatched as as a second line center. That I, I think he's better off on the wing, anyways. You know, never mind playing down the middle. But then to do so against you know stellar opposition as a second line center, I just think you're asking way too much out of him at this point. And I think you're much better suited having him play a, a complementary role on on Adam Lowry's line there. And I think going Shifley Dubois as well. You know that gets Nino Niederreiter a lot more ice time as well. Should get Nikolai Ehlers a lot more ice time. And I, I think. You know, we've talked about Ehlers' ice time for three years now, but haven't haven't loved seeing Nino kind of get pushed down the chart a decent amount either here. Um, never mind Morgan Barron as well. Maybe he deserves an opportunity up there in the top six. I just feel like if this team legitimately wants to make noise here, it's it's got to come with Shifley Dubois 1-2 down the middle. Well, I mean, listen, this speaks to where Mark Shifley's game was coming out of that San Jose game. And we all, I mean, we don't need to go back into what he had to say and the eye roll and what Bertonis had, but um, that line and that player in particular that they need so much out of was not having any success whatsoever. And to me, this was a quintessential in case of emergency break glass situation and the glass was broken and they went to something that was somewhat unconventional to try to get some things going. And listen, credit to them for doing it. First game that happened, Shifley scores, Connor scores, and Wheeler scores all in the first period. And yeah. it kind of seemed like all was right again. I mean, I do agree with you. This is not, this was never the intended plan. Um, but certainly I think it spoke to the defensive issues that Shifley was having and the fact that they just simply weren't scoring. And the early returns were very good. Um, and listen, I still think that that line could have popped a couple last night. They just didn't go in. Um, it is a different look. It's not something we're expecting. But, I mean, to me, it speaks to the desperation and the urgency of the situation and just how poorly things were going for those top players as they were constructed before the line shakeup. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. I I, I think there's – I mean, that was probably the main impetus behind the change. I, I just feel like with four games left to go in the season, like – there's there's no messages to be like you this is your bed you made it like we just got to figure it out right now so if you're asking me what the lineups should look like or, or can look like i and, and i'm sure there's a lot of jets fans that would be pumped with it i, I think morgan Barrett deserves a shot in the top six he's been really really good and i i know you know left wing is a, a pretty stacked position right now with the winnipeg jets but i mean i think nikolai Ehlers can handle playing a handful of games out there on the right side and you could have Connor and Barron as your top two left wingers, and then Ehlers and Niederreiter up there on the right side. And you know, however you want to mix those lines, I, I don't really care all that much. Um, maybe you have Ehlers on one of those lines and, and Connor on the other, just to balance out the the you know having an elite impact winger out there on both of those lines. But I think the balance is pretty good. And then a third line of Lowry, Wheeler, Domestikov, I I don't see a whole lot of problems with that either. So I. I think we're just at the point right now where it's you got to ice the best roster you have. The the time for message sending is we've just passed that. We we kind of know where this thing is going anyway, so let's just put the best roster out there. And like you said, you get a chair, we'll see what happens. You got Hellebuck back there who can steal a round or two if he's if he's really really on and then you've got one of the best defensemen on the planet as well behind him. 
So that that's how I would look to to go at it here. I just I I, I don't really see the the reasoning to keep pushing Shifley Dubois on the same line unless they're out there getting you two three goals a night. Yeah, it just didn't happen last night. Well, and one of the other things, and this is more from the weekend game, certainly the last night, um, there was some real chemistry with Ehlers playing with Nemetsnikov. Wheeler looked like a different player in those games last weekend for whatever reason. I thought he struggled at times last night, looked yeah. maybe a little bit more like the guy from the San Jose game as opposed to the the two home games on the weekend. But it really did allow Ehlers to be the dominant offensive driver of that line. And, uh, you know, the early returns were really good. I didn't get that feeling last night. I thought that the line sort of struggled. And again, a big part of this, Brandon, I mean, has to be part of just the flow of the game with so few five-on-five shifts at times and going long stretches where you're either out there on long power play shifts and you come off and then you're sitting for another two or three minutes because of PK. And much like Mark Scheifele, the Winnipeg Jets will go as far as their top players go. Nikolai Ehlers is one of those guys and sort of is given the opportunity to be that player for the second line. Um, I just didn't think that he and his line ever got into a groove last night and they didn't have the same sort of dangerous chances for the most part that they had on the weekend in a game that a few more would have really helped them last night. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't their best outing for sure. I mean, the, the other problem too in... I think this has been a bit of a, an overcorrection or a problem with with Bones of the coaching staff over the last little while is this, you know, insistence on having, whether it's Kevin Stenland or, or somebody else, take face-offs and to get him out there, you got to take a winger off. And so you mentioned like the the power plays and the penalties and all that disrupting the flow and the rhythm of the game. Well, well so does, you know, having to come off the ice for a face-off, then having to jump back on mid-shift. And then it's, oh, I've only got 30 seconds, 20 seconds left of my, like, it, 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 I, I think there's just too many things here and I, 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 I'm one of the believers that face-offs are overstated in terms of their impact. You know, throughout the course of there's important face-offs during a game. And I can, under, I can understand doing that in the final 10 minutes, protecting a lead. But you, 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 can't, you, just, you, you can't play that way throughout the whole course of a game when you're taking off one of your best, most impactful players to get just, what, like a 6% increase? Well, on a and, face-off and you know what? And Bonus talked about that after the San Jose game. And he more or less basically said that he needs to get Nikolai Ehlers out there more. I mean, I think it was, you know, and I'm not sure whether he just looked at the game sheet and realized that the number was a little bit low. I mean, there were so many things that weren't going well for the team in that San Jose game. I'm sure he was thinking about a a lot of things, but it did seem like that really resonated with the coach. And we saw a lot more of that line and they looked great in the games, you know, against Detroit and, uh, and New Jersey. Um, that being said, a team like the Calgary Flames that is not particularly fast, but they're certainly bigger and stronger than most teams, um, definitely more physical than most teams, were um, you know were a matchup that did not work in Winnipeg's favorite uh, favorite last night, and that's sort of a line. Then, if you're not getting the scoring at five on five from your top two lines, you sort of lean on your bottom six, and um, obviously, I mean, Jacob Markstrom was really good last night, lucky at times as well. Um, but there wasn't that big push back to your original point in that third period um, of a team that had every reason and every opportunity, I think, really to take it to a team playing their third and four nights and the second end of back-to-backs after a loss that I think to a lot of people, certainly around the Flames, if not in the dressing room, was all but a dagger to uh, realistic hopes of making the postseason. Yeah, and how, how does Calgary win the game? Fourth line goal. And we, this is just something we've kind of 
had to accept his fate here in Winnipeg is that the, the you know bottom sixes of other teams can give them big goals that that just doesn't happen with the Winnipeg Jets so it's the that that brutal combination right of the over reliance of your top six when they do great everything's great when they go south there's not really a fallback option for this team and I think that played out once again last night where they're, they're just you know I don't know if there was any offense created, in, in, in all honesty, outside of a few shifts from Adam Lowry. Adam Lowry had a great chance there later in the game, missed the net on that one. That That's just that's what the bottom six does here in Winnipeg. They just don't contribute to the same level that Calgary's does. And Calgary's got a pretty good for it. I mean, Milan Lucci just played pretty damn good hockey again. Um, I think he's got over 20 points this year. I mean, he might be outscoring the entire fourth line of the Winnipeg Jets right now. I do wonder, too, if, if we see Carson Kuhlman come back in at some point, just... Just from the sole fact he was in both of those games on the weekend, he's got a ton of energy. I mean, he doesn't score a whole lot either, but there there is a, a noticeable jolt that he brings to the lineup. So you wonder if maybe he draws back in against Nashville. Yeah, I'm not going to be hammering a Coolman goal prop on Cool yeah. that, uh, if uh, if that happens. But uh, to your point, and I think you know Bones, uh, you know Menelainen wasn't bad last night, and yeah, he yeah. was engaged, and I think they wanted a couple more bigger bodies because I think they knew that the Calgary Flames like to manhandle teams after the whistle repeatedly. And he did find himself in some of those situations, but I don't necessarily disagree with you on that, that we could be seeing Carson Kuhlman come back in just based on it was the winning lineup. And, um, you know, he did some good things, although Menelainen really in for the PK and there's no way you can fault the penalty kill for anything last night in a lot of ways. I mean, they've been consistently elite pretty much all season long. And at a time in a game like that where the power play did get one but had way more opportunities to get it the other way, this team would have been screwed if the penalty killers and Connor Hellebuck didn't do the job when they were down a man. The PK is, I mean, it's by far been the most consistent part of this team, and I would say the the best part of of their team play as a whole. Um, So, I mean, kind of of surprised that they actually won the special teams battle and ended up losing the game. I don't know when the last time... Yeah, in a game that was all special teams. Yeah, of course, like, that's just the way it's been going. Of course they do that, and they still find a way to lose there. But, uh, yeah, I can understand if, you know, Manalainen doesn't give you anything at five-on-five, but if you look at the numbers, he is an elite, elite penalty killer. Like, he's really... It's not just that he's good and and the Jets system as a whole. He's really, really good and does a great job with that, so... I, I can understand that there, and and you make a great point too. You know, Coolman coming in isn't a guaranteed goal coming off the bench like uh, like <laughs> Willis Reed or something like that. So uh, there's not a great option for the Jets, but you know that that's kind of picking hairs when you're talking about the fourth line because you're right. Ultimately, what the top guys do is uh, going to determine how far the Winnipeg Jets go here. Hey, listen, just before we uh, we say adios. Let's talk about something a little more upbeat, and that is round one at the Masters. Ah. So Vic is uh, playing 17 right now. He's seven under. Shoffley and Adam Scott at five under. And I got a little piece on Shane Lowry at 65 to one. He's four under, along with John Rahm and Brooks. And how about this start for Sam Burns? Birdie on one, eagle on two, birdie on three, Four under after three holes. He parred number four. Um, he's got some mojo coming in after uh, the match play. And yeah. um, he's a guy that a lot of people don't think of. I think his number was around 50 or so when looking at the odds board. But, man, this this, this leaderboard right now it's with crazy. Rory and Tony Finau and some of the guys going out this afternoon, 
um, about as good as it gets. And of course, we do have uh, some live representation as well with Brooks coming off his big win at Live Orlando. <laughs> Heading into this week's <laughs> Masters tournament. Yeah, well, when you live, when you win the Live Invitational at the Country Club in Orlando, it's pretty tough not to pick the guy with the biggest momentum there. There is so many young cats out there that are just killing it. I mean, there, there's the the amateur too that that's playing with with Scotty um, Sam Bennett, I think. Right, he hits it a mile. Cam Cam Smith, or sorry, Cam Young. Cam Young looks. He's swinging the ball really good right now. Bennett, by the way, started birdie eagle. Yeah. He was three under after two. Amateur. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder I wonder how many of these young kids have played like the master that gets us so much on on like either EA Sports or PGA 2K that they're not as like, you know, I, they kind of know what the what the layout is because you play it all the time. That's kind of what I think if I ever got out there on the course. But um it's it, it's gonna be a really, really competitive weekend. My my pick. I'm a little worried now that I'm seeing all these these young dudes like, you know, shoot up the leaderboard pretty quickly. But it feels like every year at Augusta we're due for a sentimental champion. And I, I like the way Jason Day's playing right now. And oh, yeah. he's getting some pretty good so, some some pretty good action there. I think it was like 28, 30 to 1, something like that. He's at well, you know what? It's funny. I got a little sprinkle on him at 40 to 1 uh two weeks ago. Uh, and he ended up being 28 um, going right. in. Uh, he's been really good and consistent this year. Yeah, he's Listen, he's really one under. There. He's one under playing the eighth hole right now, along with the Morikawa. And by the way, Mike Weir, the elder statesman, he finished even par today. Where's he? And uh, and by the way, Kevin Na withdrew after nine holes. Uh, what a blow to the Ironheads franchise to have their captain not able to not able to compete through the rest of the tournament. Uh, you could I, I you could offer me ten million dollars. I could not name a single live team name. What about there, the range goats? Yeah. Or uh so or the crushers. So Sergio it, and the fire fireballs. Oh sir yeah great. That's awesome. Yeah I I mean, I, I'm kind of glad. I feel like it's been pushed down the live drama all that. I, I just like a, it doesn't really a whole lot of uh, hold a lot of intrigue for me to be honest. Uh, like, and it's, maybe it's just because it's Augusta and there's so much else going around it. But like, I, I, I really don't like. I could care less. I just to me, there, there's no interest in drumming up this like league ver. Like it's the you know the the back in like the '80s when the Jets were coming, all that drama between between the the two the the WHA and the NHL. Like I, I just don't see it that way. Um, but hopefully we see one of having said that, hopefully we see one of the PGA guys push ahead from the rest of the, <laughs> the pack here and take this one. Hey, before we go, uh, we've got a why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Autocorp. Remus has put up uh, the updated will the Jets make the playoffs question. 60% on the no side after tonight. Um, I take it you're on the yes side. Yeah, and again, it's <laughs> It's it's not so much a pick for the Jets as it's a pick against the Calgary Flames. I, I just have no faith that they run the table the rest of the way here. Uh, so I yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Um, you know, I, I imagine it might come down to the last game of the season, but I think I think the Jets, I, whether it's two one and one or, or two and two, just do barely enough to squeak in and uh, grab that final spot. Oh wow, I see. Will Zalatoris is also withdrawn. Yeah, from uh, from, uh, from before the his round even started. Yeah. That is unfortunate. Um, uh, Bryson four over right now. That's not <laughs> good. Not good for the crushers. That's for sure. And uh, you know, Phil. Phil's really been letting the high flyers down all year. But uh, he's uh, 
he's he's popped a couple birdies lately, so he's looking good. Rory's on the course right now. Fino, the boys, even par right now through uh, through the first few holes. DJ as well. So uh, it's going to be a fun afternoon at Augusta. Dude, have a great long weekend. Enjoy the Masters. And uh, here's hoping that we'll be talking a week today about a team that's going to the playoffs and not authored one of the biggest collapses in NHL history from where the team was in January. It's going to be okay. Don't worry. We're, we're, we're going to crack open the, the WST-approved Canadian club here. We're going to have ourselves a great long weekend, and then we'll be talking playoffs sometime late next week. It's all going to be okay. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the Masters, eh? Yeah, you too. Have a great one. All right, good stuff. Uh, Ken Weeb coming up next. Scott Billick as well. A little bit later on, we will keep you up to date on what's happening at Augusta throughout the afternoon. Hey, folks, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, you got to pop by and see our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market with seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Have you had your healthy fats today? Yes, there is such a thing. Omega-3 fatty acids are beneficial for your skin, brain, joint, and heart health. That's where Health First Omega Supreme comes in. Get your healthy fats the easy way with this one-a-day soft gel. Health First Omega Supreme is on sale all month at Vita Health Fresh Market. Empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And online at myvita.ca. Well, we got the big dump one more time for the winter, and now it's time to look ahead to spring finally coming here. And, of course, Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists, are ready to get this snow out of here and get working for Winnipeggers. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, They've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. Whatever the right ones for you, they have it. And hey, if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. 452-2700, the Wallace & Wallace team can arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Speaking of spring, how's the menswear? How's the closet looking, fellas? If you need to up your menswear game heading into spring and summer, you need to pop by and see our friends at F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties if you get your suits from F Apparel. And, of course, a great offer for high school grads, a free custom shirt and tie valued at about 150 bucks for 2023 high school grads with the purchase of a new suit. Pop down and see them at F Apparel, 190 Smith Street, or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And, hey, snow behind us. Let's get to the good kind of blizzards, huh? Nick and Nicky DQ, four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. We're done with this snow but we're getting into the good blizzard season. Pop by this weekend with the fam. Support a great sponsor in the best way we know how. And that's chowing down on some of those delicious blizzards and maybe a few stack burgers as well. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba if you want to get a custom DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for your next event. All right, let's head down to the rink. Jets optional today. Lots to get to with uh, our man Worldwide Weeb himself, Ken Weeb, who joins us now from the basement at uh, Canada Life Center. <laughs> Weaver, what's going on? How are you? 
Huss, great to be with you. I will apologize in advance. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a construction zone down here. We don't have any drilling or hammering currently, but uh, I can't guarantee that will be the case throughout the course of this next 25 minutes here. Hey, but, I'll tell uh, you we, what. We, it, we're going to do our best. It'll give us a nice K&R postgame vibe. Maybe someone can <laughs> vacuum right beside you or uh, something like that. Although you've done such a great job. This new mic is so good and sounds so good when you're on. And uh, yeah. you become a bit of an expert of the mute button as well, <laughs> unlike some people we know. Um, so uh, it's all working out well. Listen, we'll get to practice in a minute. Um, what did you think about last night's um, loss for the Winnipeg Jets? Where did things go wrong and how did you feel the team played overall? Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Huss. Uh, definitely great tension in the building. And, and that's what playoff races are all about. Uh, in terms of the Jets' play, I thought it was disruptive. Uh, and They were doing some disrupting themselves, but ultimately I don't think they dictated the terms uh, of engagement yesterday, Huss, in terms of the style of play. They were playing a Flames team that was definitely uh, in desperation station, and they played with the sort of urgency you would expect a team that had its season on the line to be playing with. I know Rick Bonus talked about that Game 7 mentality for both teams, I only thought that one team brought a game seven mentality to the game. And I thought that the other team played like they had a two point cushion and had the schedule, you know, has the schedule advantage you know, to a degree that they own the tiebreaker. I don't think the jets played poorly. I don't think that they were uh, poor. I don't question the effort. I just didn't see the same level of urgency from them in that game. And, uh, and quite frankly, from today, Huss, whether it was Scott or Neil or, or some of the players who spoke, it, there were times where the Jets, I would say, got a little bit tentative. And the fact that there was such a parade to the penalty box, and this is no, 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 no knock on the officials. Of most, many of those penalties, or if not most of them, were well deserved. But it wasn't a game that required 30 minutes of penalties to be called. I, it was not a dirty game. There were a couple of plays that were questionable on either side, but the Jets inability to settle in and play a five on five game where they should have had a distinct advantage when it came to their legs, Andrew, that's where I thought the kind of Jets got away from themselves, taking a bunch of ticky tack stick infractions where they weren't moving their feet or they weren't in proper position now, that's also a problem for a team like the Jets, who they should have been dictating the pace and pushing the pace against a team that A, was tired, and B, was basically one loss away from having their season extinguished, quite frankly. You know what? I mean, I, I, and listen, Brandon and I had sort of different uh, uh, viewpoints on this, and I don't think he was in the building. I was in the stands. You were in right. the press box last night. I kind of saw two separate games last night, mm. to be honest. Like, in the first period... I, I thought the Jets were maybe going to run away with that game. I mean, Agreed. they were so much faster than Calgary was. Cal Calgary, to me, in the first period, didn't look like that desperate or urgent team. They looked like a team that was just sort of hanging on. They looked like a team that had just had a devastating loss the night before. And I really thought that, that the table was set for the Winnipeg Jets to get up by a couple goals and run away with that hockey game. They got the power play goal. Listen, Markstrom made a few big saves. Um, and then... I thought Calgary built throughout the game, and certainly in the second period, um, it, the, I thought the tide sort of turned. But to the Winnipeg Jets, I don't know, maybe you did you disagree. I thought they had plenty of opportunities that they just simply didn't capitalize on. And when you keep a team like the Calgary Flames in a game like that 
with everything at stake, at some point, they're going to find a way to get back in it. And that's exactly the way what they did with that second period goal. And then come the third period, that was a team that knew that, wait a second, we're not dead. They got off the mat and um, did what they had to do to get the win. Yeah, bang on, Huss. And when I say I didn't think the Jets dictated the terms, I just thought over the course of for surely the second half of the game, and yeah. I agree with you completely. I did think the Jets had a strong start out of the gate, even though they had to kill those two early minors. In a lot of ways, it could have put them behind the eight ball. Yeah. Instead, I felt it gave them some life, quite frankly, the ability to kill off those two minor penalties. But then, And yes, and then they still did cash in on the power play, but... To me, it's really odd, Huss. When the coach's challenge was successful, that should have given the Jets a boost. And and I don't really think they got a sustained bump from that uh, play, which, I mean, yes, they still, you know, they were able to get, you know, keep well, you the flames used the word the- tentative. You used the word yeah. tentative. And I think after that happened, it was sort of like they got a scare into them. Mm-hmm. But... That that's when I saw maybe that tentative level. Okay, we've got this lead, and then the second that Calgary got one, and all of a sudden it was a tie game, and you even felt it early on in the first, going okay, or, or early on in the third. You know, can you hang on? What what does it mean if this game goes to overtime? I mean, that's yeah. what I'm thinking in the stands there about all the permutations on it. Um, and lo and behold, Calgary gets a goal, and they're playing catch up. And then, as Rick Bonus said, I mean, their ability to get speed through the neutral zone into the offensive zone was was everywhere in the first period. It wasn't at all in the third period, and that played right into the hands of the Calgary Flames, and credit to them for stepping their game up. And that's what I meant by kind of bringing the game into the mud, where where they didn't want to have it to be a wide-open game. And it, it's such an interesting dynamic, Huss, because the Jets went in a sequence from having a chance on an odd man rush Shifley waits a split second too long on the on the two on one. It's a smart move to try to get the backdoor tap, but it's just like a split split second too late. It leaves Dubois in a tough spot. It he doesn't really get much on the redirect. Markstrom pushes over, makes the save, and not only do the Jets not capitalize, Huss Calgary goes the other way and scores a beauty, and all of a sudden the Jets are like, oh geez, it's not two nothing. Now it's one one. And after that point, Huss, I, I'm i with you. I, I think the Jets played hard. They didn't have a ton of chances. Yes, I understand Nikolai Ehlers had a breakaway late, and it was a great blocker save, and yes, Adam Lowry hit the post. But I just didn't think that the Jets pushed the pace the way they – their advantage in that game, Huss, was their legs or should have been their legs. And I'm not surprised that they weren't able to crank it up the way they did against Detroit and New Jersey – but there needed to be a kind of happy medium between what happened and what the Jets wanted to happen. And they just couldn't find that after, I would say, around the 12, 12 minutes into the first period. I'm with you. Skating super well early. And then I just didn't see a, a real big push. And, you know, we praised the Jets' big weapons for finding a way to explode for 12 goals on the weekend. Kyle Connor had a very pretty power play one-timer set up beautifully by Nikolai Ehlers. But at five on five, the top six was not nearly as dangerous as they were on the weekend. And that's not a finger pointing scenario, Huss, but for a team, what Rick bonus clearly said, the top six players will push them into the playoffs. I, I thought that several players were not bringing their a game to the table. And like I said, it was not from lack of effort, but 
the score, you know, the score line didn't look overly great for a line that had been really good uh, the previous two games. Um, Kenny, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this, um, but uh, I was with Mo at the game last night. <laughs> Perfect. Our pal Mo Gosselin. And um, the Jets were killing one of the million penalties that they had. And um, seven seconds left, Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley go out there. And I, and I just said to Mo, I'm like, oh, this makes me really nervous. Uh, I said, this, this, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies of what could happen. <laughs> this power play is not over yet. Right. And sure enough, I mean, the puck eventually did get in, although it wasn't a power play goal. Um, did you notice that at all? Did that surprise you at all, considering the fact that it was a tie game? Uh, or is this just Monday morning quarterbacking of something that happened that was more a coincidence? Well, us, I mean, it, it's it's something that you have to look at. It's It's our job to look at it. And in that scenario... That's why I said one team played with the game seven. Let's just put it this way, Huss. If the Jets were expected to take a game seven mentality, if that were a game seven last night, would that allocation of ice time have been distributed in that scenario? I would have waited a bit to get those guys out. I'm just saying. Right. And that, that's what I mean. So uh, is it is it overly risky? What's going to happen in seven seconds? Well, <laughs> we saw what happened. It, it wasn't in seven seconds, but it was just after seven seconds. And and this goes back to some of the issues the Jets have been having in terms of you know face-offs on their right-handed side. Shifley hasn't had a great success on that department this year. Um, should the Jets have sent Stenlin out? Should they have sent Adam Lowry out to try a tie-up? Any of those options probably would have been considered. I, I don't know. I, it definitely is something that I'm sure you know, we if if players have to watch a video of what happens, Huss, as we know they do every day, I'm guessing that in the coach's office afterward, maybe the coaches looked at each other when they were doing their own self-evaluation and said, maybe that wasn't our first choice. Um, now, there was quite a bit of, I would say for the Jets, maybe bad luck in that scenario, given you know it goes off the stick of Nate Schmidt and then rolls off the body right on the, on the doer goal. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it, it's sort of, it, it's hard to say that it was only because of that, but would there have been a safer, this is like what we talked about. Let's, when we're going back to the Carolina game, Huss, right? So who do you have out there killing off your five on six scenarios when a team scores three goals, right? Then obviously coaches look at themselves and say, Oh, well, was that our best strategy? Well, in this case, there was some bad luck attached and, you know, Walker Dewar wasn't in a dangerous situation, Huss, on that backhand wraparound, but Nate Schmidt tried to close it off and it goes off his stick and sort of just as as Connor Hellebuck has said in the past, it kind of becomes a bit of a Plinko special, but it, it just wasn't, pl- that whole sequence wasn't played super well yeah. and in a 1-1 game in the playoffs, you're right. I, I don't know that that would be the choice that Rick Bonus makes in terms of of who to get going, but it's interesting, Huss. Now we talk about the we talked about the Jets being tentative. So in that situation, rather than taking a defensive posture, Rick thinks the Jets have done a great job killing off the penalty. He wants to get his offensive guys out there and get them going. And Huss, the matchup advantage should have belonged to Winnipeg. They had two of their top offensive players out against the Flames' fourth line. So you can understand why the decision was made. The Calgary Flames' fourth line isn't exactly an offensive juggernaut, but that means that those guys needed to win that matchup, and then in that situation, they did not do that. And us, we're not laying blame, but 
Kyle and Mark were on for all three goals against in the hockey game yesterday. So we're not saying plus minus is the be all and end all in that game, but in a game where the Jets needed kind of a someone to step up and be the dominant performer in the game, that line didn't didn't have any at even strength and gave up three themselves. So that that's a that's a tough go for them. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, you mentioned Nate Schmidt. When was the last time you saw a defenseman get two breakaways, <laughs> killing the same penalty? I mean, what a bizarre and and that again a perfect example of chances that the Jets could have put the flames away. Yeah, that just didn't happen. I mean, that was absolutely bizarre. No, do, no doubt, Hudson. And, and and your bro is going to appreciate this reference that I'm about to drop on you. Uh, Kane Challoner, a guy that we. I believe both played against uh, once had three shorthanded goals against the Winkler Flyers team that I was part of. He was on the Saints, so, right? Yeah. He, he was, was on the Saints. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think we're going to, we talked a lot this week about the hot tub time machine for Blake Wheeler. Uh, I still remember distinctly Kane Challoner scoring three shorties, but he was not a defenseman. Huss. He was a spark plug forward. So that's the only time I remember and, and sadly remember uh, three. Uh, and for sure, two of them are shorthanded breakaways. So uh, shocking development for sure. Uh, it's interesting. Nate made an unbelievable move on the second one, Huss, and he didn't flat out say it, but it felt like he was ticked off at himself because he did everything. He made a brilliant move. He had Markstrom swimming. I don't think that it was a lack of bearing down in the situation, but he was very ticked off at himself because he made such a great move, but then he kind of just ran himself out of real estate and didn't finish the play. So obviously some of that was disappointment, but it's hard to blame Nate because on the first one, he thought he had done enough to draw a tripping minor basically mm -hmm. I thought the defender played it pretty well in a game. There were so many penalties. Uh, it could have easily been called, right? Huss? I mean, <laughs> that, that's the other part of it. I don't think it was a blatant trip, but I wouldn't have been surprised to see it called in that scenario. And, you know, I mean, and it could not just called, but it could have been a penalty shot because it was a breakaway, right? Well, and then so, he's left like in the right? corner as yes. everything goes down the other way. And he's not even at center before the jets get the puck and back and, you know, here we go again. Um, and, and, and I'll and say one quick one. I think yeah. that was the, the the thing. Nate was shocked that the puck came to him. But I think that because he was so tired from getting hauled down on the first breakaway, that even though his mind worked perfectly with the move, he just didn't have the, the exertion to be able to complete the play on the forehand shot that just so, sailed into the side of the net. Well, I guess, and, and, I, and listen, I, you know, he made a great move on Markstrom and really did have him beat. Mm -hmm. But Markstrom, uh, he was he was desperate and he did everything he could to get his pads up and at least take some of that net away um, and, and and made it more difficult for Schmidt to, uh, to capitalize on it. And um, obviously that didn't go in. And that, I mean, that was a perfect example of, um, you know, the Jets with plenty of opportunities to get a bit more of a lead. It didn't happen. And then obviously we know Calgary got back into the game and ended up winning it. Um, what, uh, well, you were down there at the game afterwards and speaking with the, uh, with the team. I mean, 
How would you characterize the mood around the Winnipeg Jets afterwards? And maybe you can take that into today's optional with who is there. I mean, uh, what does this do to the psyche of a team that I think had been feeling pretty good after those two big wins? But everyone knew how big that game was last night and the opportunity in front of the Winnipeg Jets that obviously they didn't get done. For sure, Huss. I would describe it this way. I think that there was a lot more forward-looking by the Winnipeg Jets, both yesterday after the game by Pierre-Luc Dubois and Nate Schmidt, and then also today with Nino Niederreiter and Brendan Dillon. They do acknowledge and realize that it was a missed opportunity, for lack of a better term. They could have put themselves in a much better position, and they could have put the Flames in a very precarious one. But the fact that the Jets remain on the north side of the playoff line as of today... And they will be as of Saturday, no matter what happens in the game between the Carolina Hurricanes and Nashville Predators. Now, having said that, I think there are lessons to be learned from the inability to deliver a knockout punch, Huss. It, it, it's super interesting. Like, this was a five-round boxing tilt, I guess. The, the difference being that the Jets had a chance to, to extinguish one of their opponents, as I mentioned. And in a lot of ways, they'll have the same opportunity on Saturday. It's funny, we spent the... Maybe we you know, we sometimes get tunnel vision when it comes to these things. But if the Jets had taken care of business on Wednesday, it would have been a much different scenario for Saturday. Now suddenly Saturday takes on the same, if not greater significance than the game on Wednesday. Because if the Nashville Predators find a way to defeat the Carolina Hurricanes, now suddenly the Predators roll into town, not even, but one point behind going into a head-to-head. And if the Predators beat the Jets head-to-head, now, all of a sudden, the, the advantages we've been talking about for the last three weeks are not only, they're vanished into thin air because they would be a point behind and even in games played. We know Nashville has the toughest schedule, but that's not, they've done this before with UC Soros. So that's the thing that Sean and I have been debating for a month now. I know full well that the Nashville Predators should not be the team that wins this race between three teams. But that's not to say that they can't do it. Their schedule's the toughest, but that doesn't mean anything at this time of year when you have a goalie like Saros, uh, even if they have been dealing with some significant injuries to to key players. But for the Jets, I, I like the approach. I like the acknowledgement that they weren't good enough, but also that they are not in, in dire straits either, Huss. So the question I was asking both, uh, all, both players and Scott O'Neill, the key for the Jets now is simple, at least simple in theory, Huss. It's how do you find that perfect balance between playing with the requisite amount of urgency while also being loose enough to perform at your absolute best, realizing full well that a certain level of butterflies or attention is required to get you to the point of being an urgent hockey club and playing with some desperation, but not panic. So that's the biggest thing with the Jets. And for this team, Huss, we've talked about it for a long time, for a lot of years. The one thing about the Jets, for all of the strong things that they've shown this season, the ability to deliver the knockout punch is something I wouldn't say has plagued them. That might be too strong, but it's something that isn't, it's in the tool, it's in the toolkit, but it doesn't always come out when the Jets need it. And that's part of the reason they've put themselves in a tougher spot today than they could have been in yesterday with a different result. Uh, what uh, what do Bones have to say today? Uh, Rick uh, had the day off. Oh, yeah, sorry. Scott O'Neill. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was very uh, forthcoming and, you know, like I said, forward-looking. But 
you thought you got to take some of the positives from the things that they did well. But he said too, he thought that the the fact that they took all those stick infractions, some of them in the either in the offensive zone or neutral zone, uh, was a sign that they were a little bit tentative in, in how they were playing. Uh, I think that you know it was all about regrouping and putting that game behind them. Of course, there's going to be some residue and disappointment, but you know they can't they can't waste any time dealing with the residue of disappointment. Because if you're dealing with the disappointment, you're not putting your energy and channeling it properly into the next opponent who could also put them in a much more difficult spot going into the final week of the regular season where we know the Jets will play the San Jose Sharks, the Minnesota Wild, and the Colorado Avalanche. And it's interesting, Huss. Both Minnesota and Winnipeg will be playing back-to-back Monday and Tuesday. But the biggest difference is that everyone thinks, oh, well, the Wild and the Avalanche are home and cooled, Huss. No, no, no. They're home and cooled, but those guys want to be first in the Central. (laughs) So these are not throwaway games for the Minnesota Wild or Colorado Avalanche. Both of those games are going to be very important for both of those teams if they have their sights on first place, if they want home ice in the first round. I mean, you look at the Central right now, Ken. All three teams have 98 points. I mean, almost no matter what happens on the weekend, yeah. those teams, there's not going to be enough separation that those games are not meaningful for both Minnesota and Colorado. Now, the Abs do have one extra game um, to be played. They've got 76 in the books. Dallas and Minnesota have 77. But with three teams at 98 points and um, you know the winner getting home ice through the playoffs, the team that finishes in third doesn't even have home ice in the first round um, I should say home ice through the first two rounds because uh, whoever wins the Pacific is going to be the number one seed. Um, you're exactly right. Um, and a quick one. Sorry, that the game in hand. It's against Nashville the day after the Jets play Colorado. So it's super crazy because Calgary is done on Wednesday. You know, the team with the easiest schedule might have the hardest hardest situation for the heart palpitations because they might have to wait until Friday to determine their fate Friday night, right? they're the team that finishes first, but they, that game suddenly Friday night between Colorado and Nashville could have massive implications. So uh, it's a fascinating stretch ahead, but for the jets, they got to get through the weekend before they start worrying about next week. No, no doubt about it. Hey, listen, before we go and Billy's going to jump on uh, quickly, how about the ice? Great start to the Western Hockey League playoffs. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to this Regina Saskatoon series. Yes. I mean, overtime every night. uh, The road teams won all four games so far. Um, Eyes are going to be sitting back and waiting to see who they're playing. But I got to say, it would be pretty juicy if Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats can get through this and end up being the opponent here. I mean, that would take the excitement around this playoff run for Winnipeg to a whole nother level for round number two. For for sure, Huss. And, and and for me, selfishly, I've not watched Connor Bedard live, so I, I would love the opportunity to do so before he becomes an NHLer. Uh, it just schedule hasn't lined up well, and you know, the one of the games where Regina came this year, he was away at the World Juniors. So, yeah, full marks to the ice. We know they've had a, a dominant season on a lot of fronts in the Western Hockey League. We know it's a tough road to the Memorial Cup, but for them, they're off to a great start. I'm you know, I know Scotty was uh, was at a couple of the home games, or at the first home game, and I know they weren't thrilled with how they played. But this is a team that's playing strong hockey. They have all year, and we know there's a collision course at some point uh, coming. But uh, you know, anytime a team 
earns a series sweep, you know that they've got off to a good start. Uh, we know that they're a very capable team. And speaking of teams that have been trying to learn from lessons, we know they had a great run last year that ended uh, against the Edmonton Oil Kings, and, and they want they want to push forward and try to win a Western Hockey League championship. And you know they've got four out of the sixteen down, and no matter whether they play Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats or if they play the Saskatoon Blades, we know that you know the second round is going to be tougher than the first, but they've positioned themselves well to to go on a nice run here, and and I think that the the community is uh, keeping an eye out on that for sure. I uh, just uh, taking a quick look at the Masters. Um... Vic Vic Hovland in the wow, clubhouse yeah. at seven. How about the shirt he was rocking today? How about the shirt? How about the shirt, buddy? I I just Bold. saw it for the first time. He's got a. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> hey, he can pull. He can pull that off. He can pull that off as well. Just looking to see where Tiger is. Tiger ended up bogeying eighteen, so he oh, finished boy. up at two over. Still very much in the mix, but um, not maybe the way he wanted to start. Who was your uh, Who was your pick? Who did you champion at the top of your pools? Yeah, buddy, I had the uh, sentimental pick of Tiger near the bottom there. I, I do have John Rahm and Justin Thomas, so I'm in a decent spot, but uh, nowhere nice. near the uh, leaderboard for the Winnipeg Sports Talk pool. Uh, I also have Mackenzie Hughes. I, I have Mackenzie Hughes. I think he was also over par. Uh, pretty happy with how the, most of the guys played. John Rahm had an outstanding day, Huss. Uh, despite pulling a Ken Weeb special on number one with a four putt, four four putt on one. Never oh, mind no the double hus. Never mind. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but but rebounded nicely. So uh, impressive day by a lot of players. Just fun. Like, it's such a fun place, uh, and it's such a fun tournament. And and the fun was just really beginning. Thursday is great, and you know you just hope some of those guys can be in contention, make the cut. Tiger hit the ball really well, but. You know, I, when you're playing a handful of tournaments every year, it's hard to expect, uh, you know, we talked, again, hot tub time machine special for Tiger. He only has to go back a couple of years, but uh, he still can make 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 things fun out there. Uh, I have, I believe I might have Rory also in my picks, so I do expect... Uh, yeah, Rory's to be, out this afternoon, I think. Yeah, even I think he had right an now. early birdie on two, but uh, yeah, it should be a fun... It's one of the most fun weeks on the calendar, right? So, and also to... We also should acknowledge and give a massive shout out. The, the women's game was just absolutely tremendous. Us final four, uh, I thought it was absolutely excellently played. I know there's been lots of lots of discussion uh, throughout the course of the week. Uh, <laughs> you can't see me. Um, I just love the WrestleMania weekend, and the women are taking the John Cena tribute. Indeed. To the trash talk of the yeah, uh, the game, no, yeah, we definitely tribute to Cena. That was not huge a, ratings, uh, though. Huge ratings oh, I for loved, that too. And to I mean, it, it yeah. was I mean, great to see, you know, that tournament um, on the women's side get the amount of attention and the amount of people that actually tuned in to see it. I mean, uh, that was overall, awesome. And Caitlin Clark just tremendous, right, Hudson? I, I know that the you know the the good folks at LSU are, are, are don't want to be, you know, they feel like second fiddle a little bit, even though they won. Uh, I don't mind the energy. Uh, the you can't see me. I don't. I don't. I mean, the ring is fine. I, I don't. I don't. It, I didn't love the you can't see me just because it's not like she shut Caitlin Clark. Like if you shut Caitlin Clark down, by all means, listen, you can't listen, see me. Listen, it, chasing a player around the court and doing that at the end was bush league. Everyone exactly. Knows, exactly. Everyone Billick knows doesn't it. agree, but you know, Huss, I, I didn't. I, and I got no problem showing personality, and I love the way that that girl played. But why? It's not if you if you eliminate the player, 
like the game wasn't close at the end, but it wasn't because you held Clark to three of 20 shooting. She was still a massive hey, was some, impact was on the great game. theater for it. I mean, like, listen, I don't really care. And it gave a lot of juice, to oh, a lot of conversation sure. to the whole thing. But I mean, like people that were trying to compare the two things that were the same, I mean, uh, are trying to create no. a narrative that is just not based in fact. Anyways, Weber, we're going to get to Billick, get his thoughts on uh, where this thing goes in the next four games before game 82. Enjoy the Masters. Have a great weekend. And we'll look forward to hopefully a very spirited K&R chat after a big win on Saturday night. We'll see what happens. Have a great one, dude. Have a great long weekend. Thanks for having me. And uh, also for the hockey fans, women, women's worlds have uh, started up too. So a little bit of Manitoba. Four nothing there as last well. night, four nothing last night over the Swiss for, uh, for the Canadian women. Great start to the uh, great start to the event. Have a good one, pal. Take care, my friend. Thanks for having me. Cheers. All right. Um, we're going to get to Billick right away and continue the conversation. Great crowd today, though. Hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, don't forget, if you found us on YouTube, search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcasts and subscribe to the audio version if you're not able to join us regularly here on YouTube. Next week, I'll be here on Monday for the Sharks game and then actually heading out to Toronto for a few uh, days. Of course, Princess Auto, great sponsor of ours, is also the sponsor of the uh, Players' Championship and the Grand Slam for the uh, World Curling Tour. So we're going to get out there, do a few shows from Toronto, probably hit a Jays game or two, and of course watch what the Jets can do on the road in those final two games, and we'll see whether we're coming back to playoff hockey or the beginning of the offseason. Uh, Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at Panet Road or Portage Avenue West. You can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Hey, our friends at Consolidated Supply are ready for golf season and ready for spring. They're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts dealing with courses around the province, but they can also help you out. If you have any need for either a new or used golf cart, they're the official club car dealer in uh, in Manitoba. Our pal Gene Turk's busy, but can uh, always use to be a little busier. So whether it's for you know your cottage, whether it is actually for golfing, or maybe um, a commercial use, pop on down and see them. And April 20th, Mark this down. Big grand opening down at Consolidated Supply, 1395 Niaqua Road East, 2 to 8 p.m. They're going to have refreshments, food trucks, some raffle prizes, uh, and really a grand opening for their great new spot that uh, they've been trying to do throughout the pandemic. So Remo and I are going to pop down there. Hope to see you there April 20th down at Consolidated Supply. You can also check them out at cte.ca. Um, got a Shout out our pal, his pals at Royal Sports. Big win for Greg yesterday in the uh, in the marble race when we did that for the tickets. Of course, Royal Sports is Manitoba's number one sports superstore with the biggest and best selection of licensed team gear featuring the Jets, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the NHL, NFL, and tons of new Blue Jays and Major League Baseball gear just in time for the start of the season. Spring stock is arriving daily. Soccer, ba- uh, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and so much more, and a huge selection of bikes. So let's get ready to get this snow out of here and dominate spring at Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And I know tomorrow most people have off, 
I can't think of a better spot than BP to uh, maybe set up shop with your gang to watch the Masters tomorrow afternoon. No better place to get together with friends to watch the big game than your local BP. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous Boston's wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu. And if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Billick in here to keep this rolling on a big show coming off last night's game. Billick, what's going on? What uh, what did you think of uh, last night's game? A uh, game that was uh, I really felt was there for the taking earlier on. Calgary stayed in it, and uh, it ended up biting the Winnipeg Jets in a game that had so much at stake um, with so few games remaining in the season. Yeah, man, what, what a Jekyll and Hyde game that was, right? Like, I mean, uh, that was it. It, it was... It was sort of like Winnipeg's season and kind of, you know, uh, a 60-minute hockey game, right? Yeah, I was, like the analogy. Right? It was, you know, a great first half of the game and then a really bad second half. And, 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 and you know, I don't know, man. Like, <clears throat> I watched that first period and I was like, like, this is a team that looked like it was against, um, uh, not Carolina, uh, New Jersey, Jersey and uh, the team before. Um, Detroit. Just, yeah, brain farting here is for the Masters on. So, of course, I'm just <laughs> got one eye on that. But no, it, you know, I, like I thought that that's what it looked like. It looked good. They get the power play goal. Um, they killed off a few penalties early. So they were into the game. Um, the, I, I think that I, I really do think that Dubois hit, though, kind of woke up. Calgary um you know they, they were as much as that got Dubois into the game and I think Dubois had a great game in my opinion um I I I also thought like that that kind of hit rallies a team um you know you we can argue whether it should have been a major or minor <clears throat> not a penalty at all regardless I mean you hit one of their best defensemen into the boards like that and it, it that gets a team going that, that hey just that, quickly on that so, on that i mean uh, you were in the press box i take it last night i was yep yep what 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 were the conversations around the media i mean we were in the stands well, I, and obviously yeah. fans have a major skin in the game uh, most of the fans didn't like that and told rasmus anderson as much throughout the evening what yeah. um what, what was was there many differing opinions on the hit last night up uh, up in the press box there was a few um i, I thought initially that might be a major just the way that he went into the boards um, because it's one of those dangerous hits, right? Like you push a guy who's close to the boards like that. He almost tried to take his feet out. And like, those are the dangerous boarding hits. But after I looked in the replay, I was like, no, oh, okay. I think they were more battling for position after that. And, but I didn't even know, like there wasn't really a penalty that was being called until Anderson didn't get up. Like that, that was more of the, the conversation up there was like the ref didn't put his arm up right away. And and so and then Rom or not Rom um, Rasmus Anderson kind of stayed down and then he put his hand up and then I don't think they knew what they were even going to call at that point right because they went and conferred at the penalty box and eventually it was just a minor um, I thought that at that point they were calling a major and then they were going to um, review it and and then you know probably knocked it down to a minor after review because I think we all kind of you know saw that at the, at the time but. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there was divided opinion up there because I think there was people that thought that it was just jockeying for position and, and the stronger guy won out in the end. Um, but I think review kind of suggested that should be a boarding call. Um, but yeah, not a major. So yeah, but I, again, I thought that that one kind of got Calgary into it, right? Like this is the thing, like the Jets, the Jets played a really, 
and and people are going to blame the refs. I always think blaming the refs is a bit of kind of a loser mentality because, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, 30 penalty minutes is a lot. I would suggest, though, that you look back. They probably could have called more um, than that, and they didn't. Lucic's boarding call that didn't get called, in my opinion, um, there. But, I mean, all those penalties, I, I would struggle to look back and say, you know, that wasn't a penalty, right? There was the obvious tripping call on, on Nemestikov. There was um, the, the hands, uh, the hook in the hands on Sandberg to take away the scoring chance. Like, th- those are those are penalties. Uh, you know, I thought on on the first Nate Schmidt breakaway, Noah Hannafin played great defense on that, though. Um, but there was fans arguing that that should have been a, a, a penalty on Hannafin for, for, for that. So, it, it, it's a weird game. I mean, I don't think it gets called that way in the playoffs. But, you know, you guys talked about it earlier, and I, I thought Kenny was, you know, right on on it. Like, I, I well, I, I thought maybe more on the fence than anything. Like, I, I think the micromanaging of the game there, because this team can't win faceoffs. And I thought the team was good on the faceoff dot last night. Uh, but, you know, why is it Adam? Like, I get the right-hand side and the right-side faceoff. I mean, Adam Lowry was 14 for 19 last night in the dot. That's 74%. But they put Mark Shifley out there. And then, you know, it, it just to me, it's like, okay, you're, you're getting too into the minutia of these, these, like the micromanaging of these face-offs. And, and then, you know, so you're putting Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley out there to try and kill the last bit. And I get what they're doing. They're trying to set up the next line and get going from there. Um, but it came and bit them. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I said out loud. I yeah. said out loud to the guy that was sitting with me the minute I saw that. I'm like, whoa, yeah, this, this penalty's not over yet, and this is making me really, really nervous. Yeah. I don't know about this. And 15 and seconds right. later, it's getting yeah. pulled out of the net. And sometimes you just get the get the heebie-jeebies or whatever. And I'm sort of with Ken. I mean, like if that if that is a playoff game, which it kind of was, put it this way. I don't think we'll yeah. be seeing that again, um, but, you know, but, but, as we go my, forward. My, and my, my only issue with that is this is essentially a playoff game, right? Like, yes. they have to win this. So, so why why are we not, like, don't put, like. And it was a tie game at the time. Now, and listen, it was a tie game at the time. I mean, this wasn't like we got to get these guys out because we're trailing. And yeah. I mean, the Jets were in the advantageous situation. I mean, if that game goes to overtime last night, yeah, it's Calgary that really loses. I mean, even if they get two and Winnipeg right. gets one, exactly, that's not yeah. enough for them right now. So, and again, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback it considering what happened. Um, but, but it was something that even before it went wrong, I didn't like yeah. it. I was very, um, the spidey senses were tingling, if you will, and uh, yeah. and, and and what happened. What did you think? I mean, that line overall. I mean, Connor had that beautiful highlight reel goal yeah. on the power play. Um, but at five on five, and listen, as far as five on five play, there it wasn't, wasn't enough of it. Of it. it was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so uh, it was so different than most of the games we've seen this year. And I think yeah. that was the sort of slog that Calgary in their situation kind of wanted to get, especially with the power play that had been struggling for Winnipeg. But it is weird that it was so dominated by special teams. The Jets won the special teams battle yeah. and yet weren't there. And that does speak to five on five. And, you know, unfortunately, when you look at the game sheet afterwards, there was one line that was on for everything that happened in their own net. And, and so this is, this is more, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and, and, and crap on Mark Shifley because it's not just on him. But if you want to be the best player in the league or be talked about as one of the best centers in the league, you got to show up for that game. And um, five on five, they didn't show up for that game, right? Um, you know, 
it, it was, I still think their line did all right. I mean, I think at five on five, I think they outplayed their opposition that night. I'd have to go back and look at the analytics on that. Um, I think all three of the lines actually did, you know, in terms of analytical, but, but at the end of the day, they didn't score a goal. And, I, and so that's, that's the problem, right? I mean, they get a power play goal, but that's their only goal on the night. And all of a sudden the scoring goes dead again. And, and so this is, this is, this is why I say Jekyll and Hyde, but like, this is very much, you know, a Winnipeg Jets game. You, you, we, I think we all kind of thought going into this game, and maybe this is, you know, getting the wool kind of pulled over our eyes, but this is a team that, okay, they found, they, they found their scoring touch, right? And then Kyle Connor gets a goal on the power play early on, and so you're like, okay, now they're starting to click on the power play again. And so like, this is going to be a team that's going to be very tough to beat because they, they're putting it together five on five, and now they're starting to score on the power play. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think they ended up getting outworked on the ice by a team that played the night before. And that's a problem. <clears throat> you know, the, Jet, the Jets should have been dictating the pace in that game. They had two days off. Calgary played a, a hard-fought game where they tried to get back into it. A desperate game on, on the night before against Chicago. Uh, at, at home, granted, but still. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. You're still flying out that night and, and, and arriving late and all that. I mean... Again, in a battle of desperation, the Calgary Flames showed that they wanted it more. Well, in, and, in the and, second half of the know, game, though, I mean, like, I, 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 I didn't yeah. think that they showed up. I didn't think that they showed up, Scott, looking like a team from the opening faceoff that was playing for their playoff lives. I mean, I thought no, it was there for the hit. taking for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, you know what? I, you know, there, that, that there's something to be said for that as well. Yeah. Um, and again, and this has been unfortunately something we heard from Rick Bonus a number of times. They had a gr- bunch of great chances. Um, you got to put a few of them in, and right. I mean the that... land of missed opportunity, man. Like that's what it was <clears throat> last night. I mean Nate Schmidt, two breakaways, one good defensive play. I get it, mm. but you can't miss that net. You know, like I mean, you got that open. Markstrom's trying to two pad stack you there, but he's out of it. And yeah, I mean Nikolai Ehlers on the breakaway late. Granted, great save by Markstrom off the blocker, but got to put that in, right? I mean, even shorthanded, Adam Lowry had some good, you know, good plays there. The three-on-one, the three-on-one that oh. that Mark maybe waited a little too long to fast to Dubois, so they make the save, and then they go down the other way, and they score a beauty on the two-on-one. Um, the execution and, on that two-on-one from right, Calgary was, was absolutely world-class. Right, and and so that that's the difference in the game, right? I mean... But you got Backland and and was it Man Japani there, right? Like, don't you think that Shifley and Dubois should be making a better play just based on merit and skill alone? Like, that I don't know. I mean, they had the first that, chance to do thing. that. That second one doesn't happen if they get it done earlier. Exactly but. right. And then it's a two nothing game, <clears throat> and instead of a one one game, and and it's completely different, right? I really I mean, think that if the Jets got that second goal, we're up two nothing. That thing was over last. Night. I think so because you put the team down, right? And especially especially after they score. Uh, on that breakaway, and well, it was a, the rebound. They poked at him, but it's goaltender interference, and so that takes the wind of the sails. And then, like literally, like eighty seconds later, um, you would put one in the back of the net on on Dubois or whoever you know whoever would have scored that goal. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like a ninety seconds of deflation right there for the the Calgary Flames. Instead, it it, it revived them because they go the other way. They score. They get a big save out of their goalie, and then I think again, I I wonder. And and I, I this isn't to blame Pierre Luc Dubois. I think what he was doing I, at the, in the end of it, they they come out with a power play, 
which I thought was strange just based on what everything that went on there. But regardless, I mean, I thought they got under Markstrom's skin a little bit there. Like Markstrom was upset with Dubois. Dubois is doing the best that he can. I mean, even with Trevor Lewis, I mean, Dubois showed extreme discipline there to just patience there to, to get to take a punch in the face and draw a penalty. But, but again, you know, you go one for five on the power play. That's not good enough, right? You, it's not good enough against the team um, that gave you a six for six on the penalty kill that night. I mean, they give you a chance. I thought Connor Hellbuck was good. The Zadarov shot was a beautiful shot. I mean, you know, the, the 3-1 goal was beautiful. The 2-1 um, was great. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm struggling to blame this on on, on the goaltending. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you needed your star players up front to show up. And after scoring 12 goals over the last two games, they found one. And, and so just that's that's not you, – you're not winning hockey games at this time of year, one nothing, 2-1, sure. But you got to score two goals at least to win hockey games in this league, and and, and the Jets didn't, and and so now and now we're looking at the biggest game of the year was last night, and now an even bigger game is is going to come. What do, what do you expect? Saturday. Nashville still Nashville has Carolina tonight. Man. They've got a really really tough <laughs> schedule, but I'm they are yeah. hanging around. And I'll tell you what, much like we talk about Connor Hellebuck and yeah. giving the Winnipeg Jets a chance to win every time out, UC Soros is that dude for uh, for Nashville. You know, I thought the Nashville Predators were dead after they got blown out by, was it like 6 or 7-2, I think it was, by the Rangers back when they, they still had some games in hand. They just keep getting up but off the mat. They, yeah, but then they beat Boston, and, you know, I believe they beat Seattle along the line there too. And, and, and so they're, you know, they're winning these games where nobody thinks that they should win, right? I mean, this is a team, me and Mike McIntyre up in the press box last night were looking at this, I believe during the, the first intermission, just like, Who's Thomas Novak? Who's Luke and uh, Evangelista? Like, who are these guys? And then you realize, like, holy crap! Like Luke or Thomas Novak. Yeah, but Thomas Novak's got like forty-one points in forty-six games this season, right? Like, they have guys that are really pushing for jobs next year, and then they have the great equalizer and goal. I mean, the Jets know exactly what that's like having the great equalizer and goal. And UC Soros, who's probably going to play every game down the stretch here because he has to. Um is doing UC Soros things, right? I mean, UC Soros, you look at him, you're like, man, this guy's not great. He's not going to be great. He's small. He's not He's not your typical goaltender these days. Um, he's great. And, and he gives them a chance to win every night. And so when you have a goalie like that, playing against a bunch of young kids that are going to make mistakes, but, you know, you can pretty much depend on them like you could Connor Hellebuck on, on kind of, you know, uh, uh, making amends for a lot of the mistakes in front of them. Um, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit, I think, there. And, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I don't know if they beat Carolina tonight, but I, I'm not going to say that they can't beat them because they, they're they beating teams like that. And and so they, I mean... They won in Boston. The, I know, they won in, in Boston, right? Like, nobody wins in Boston. And, and they went there, and be, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think, and maybe it's going to turn into a point where teams start not really taking because I, I think I think some of these teams are taking the, the Predators. Maybe um, you know it's going to be kind of a pushover game, and maybe that's the case. But I don't know, man. Like I, I it, they they continue to prove all of us wrong, and and they're right there in the fight. And if they win tonight and they come in, I mean, I, mean, I think I believe Kenny said it on 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 earlier when he was on it. They could be one point ahead of the Jets after Saturday. Um, if they win tonight and they beat the Jets here. And, I mean, there is a world where that happens. You know, there's a world where that happens because 
I don't know what we're going to see. I don't want to live in that world, yet. Scott. I understand. <laughs> I, I get it. But, but, but I mean, I still don't know if we can say what team's showing up on Saturday for the Jets. And that, that's, that's the biggest problem with this team this year. Um, is, you know, from game to game, you couldn't tell me, I can't tell you, you know, what, what team is going to play um, on Saturday. And, and it's really going to depend on how quickly they can flush last night's game. Because, I mean, as bad and heartbreaking and disappointing as that game was, you have to flush it because you can't carry that with you into Saturday. I mean, I thought, you know, you, 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 you take the first 30 minutes of that game and you're like, yeah, we like this. There's some things in the back half of the game that we didn't like, but you need more of that first 30 minutes. And you need more of the 120 minutes that you played the two games prior to that. And you got to come in and make a statement against the Nashville Predators. And, yeah, I mean... I mean, this is this is the time of the year where you have to prove yourself. And right now, the Jets still kind of they still have they still. And Dubois said it last night after the game. They still control their own destiny here, um, but it's razor thin now, right? Like you're you're walking on a knife's edge at this point. And yeah, it's a it's an interesting place to be for for the Jets for a Jets fan, hmm. uh, and for us who are trying to you know in the media who are trying to. Tell people what's going to happen. Have no idea. Make sense. Make sense of it all. Hey, <laughs> yeah. as I said with Remo right off the top, there ain't nothing easy with this crew. But no, uh, no. four games left, and we'll see whether they can finally get to the finish line. Yeah. How about this? John Rom just birdied eighteen. He? He's have... in at seven under, right. along with Vic Hovland, who's now doing a uh, an interview with Scott Van uh, Van Pelt yeah, no, in the yeah. Augusta Clubhouse. Holden just cracks me up, man. He just looks like um, he just came out of uh, like dazed and confused, or fat, or Harold and Kumar. I mean, he looks like he just did a big bong rip every time you see him, and yet there he is going seven under, yeah. um, wearing quite the shirt as well. Who is on your card? Who are you touting going into you know, the Masters? It's hilarious because I totally forgot about Remus. I'm literally looking at my team right now that I yeah, saved. You, you didn't Wait, fill I know, it out. I know. I, I did feel it out. I can tell you. I had Rory and Scheffler. I had Corey Connors and Finau, Justin Rose and Adam Scott, Mackenzie Hughes and Tiger Woods in uh, in option Z. And I looked at it this morning. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, I, I didn't hit save on it and because I had to put my team name in. And so I tried to put it in. It's too late. But Oh, maybe I, I mean, can manually add you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm, I, mean, I can see it right now. It's not like, I mean, I have Adam Scott, and, and but I didn't have John Rahm. Um, I, I had McElroy and Scheffler. I mean, Scheffler. Yeah, I'm rolling with Rory as well. Uh, right. I mean, Rory's been great. And I thought Mackenzie Hughes would have a chance. Connors was coming off that great tournament last weekend. Uh, Finau, who's been playing great all year. Um, you know, and I, and I didn't want to pick any guys from the live tour. So, yeah. and when I looked at it this morning, I was happy to see some of these guys way down. DeChambeau, way down there. Garcia. Like, I've I mean, got a big, traders. big prop bet on Bryson to miss the cut. Um, no, but, oh, he just eagled 15, though. He got back Did to he? two under. Yeah, Tiger's in at two under right now. Two over, right? For so, yeah, Tiger? sorry, two yeah. over, two over. Sergio is in the clubhouse at Bubba, two, plus two over. Suck on that. Yeah, Bubba. Bubba that's, a, that's, a tough, that's tough for Range Goats fans out there. <laughs> yeah. Really, goats. really, really tough one. Yeah. Um, but Corey Connors right now is even at the turn. Uh, I believe he's playing with DJ and Justin Rose. Um, yeah. uh, they're all even right now. And um, yeah, Mickelson's even. He had a nice, he had a nice uh, shot on uh, 12 not long ago. Nice tee shot off of twelve. Yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah. He got back up, so he's one under yeah. now after after doing that. So, well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun watch for the next couple of days. Maybe keep Jets oh, yeah. fans' minds off the anxiety 
that their team gives them on a daily basis. <laughs> and uh, we'll yeah. see what happens on Saturday. Uh, one thing I will say, um, great crowd last night, great energy in the oh, building. Yeah. The last three games, and, and I wasn't yeah. sure the way how it was going to be coming off that road trip in the San Jose game and everything around the club. Um, I got to give a big hat tip to the people that are shelling out their money, coming out to support this team. That that added so much to the game last night. And unfortunately, yeah. the choppiness and the the starts and stops and how many whistles there were, I think, diminished that as well as kind of the anxiety of the situation and what was happening on the ice. But um, but yeah, like great go Jets go chant like before, like during the anthem or right before the anthem. Like we haven't seen that in a while, all right. And I, and so I thought that was. Yeah, they brought it right. I, I thought Pride Night went off, went off without a hitch. I thought it was great for the, you know, for the community too. So I thought, you know, that was really good. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a great atmosphere, right? I mean, yeah, they're still fifteen hundred short of a, of a, of a sellout, but it was loud enough to feel like a sellout last night. And you know, I thought, you know, last night's game probably got maybe affected a little bit too by the the storm and all that as well. I mean, I think oh, people definitely. had some trouble getting into the city or weren't able to. Um, I, I thought I saw this Phyllis in the chat talking about the roads outside of the city that were that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, but it was a good crowd. And like I, I, Adam already said a good uh, yesterday, I want to say it was, uh, or two days ago now um, on, on, on uh, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Um, Thursday, on Tuesday, he said, uh, you know, they gave him something to cheer about in that first game back, right? You know, six goals is something to cheer about. And so you start, you know, and, and they snowball that into another six goals. So you really get the crowd kind of back on your side, let's say. Um, and yeah, they were good. It was good from start well, to Saturday finish night. night so. Saturday night, the team and them again. And yep. certainly on Monday <laughs> against the nemesis, the San Jose Sharks, in all likelihood, uh, <laughs> Rainbow Rhymer in net. See if the Jets can finally light that guy up Go after ahead, Morena, yeah. what he's done the uh, the last couple of games. Scotty, great <laughs> stuff as always, man. Enjoy the Masters tomorrow, and uh, we'll, we'll see you down yeah. at the rink on Saturday. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll see you then. Yep. Good stuff. All right, there is uh, Scott Billick. All right, oh, okay, I guess we are doing marbles today. Uh, registration is open. Are we doing it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess we are. I, I it's Thursday. We're not on tomorrow. It, it right? is Thursday. All right. We can't, yeah, we can't dis- deprive people of the marbles. So people have been um, asking since Monday, is it going to be on Thursday this week? <laughs> hey, you know what? We got to do what we got to do. And that's drop the marble. So we will get to that in just a minute. Um, shout out to our friends at little Brown jug. Um, man, if you haven't tried it yet, make sure, uh, maybe this long weekend, if you're looking for a great crisp basic lager, Try the new Little Brown Jug generic lager, impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and a crisp finish. Now Manitoba can support local without having to move away from the domestic taste they've come to expect with a light beer. You can pop by and see them at uh, the brewery and tap room. Uh, generic lager also available through vendors in eight packs or by the can. Um, we will get to a master's uh, report in just one second. I do want to remind you folks, though, if you're thinking about an incredible summer getaway, Aikens Lake is uh, a jewel of our province and a perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses. Only a few hours from Winnipeg travels quick and easy. You can reward your top customers or organize a very unique team building experience. Uh, pricing similar to what a company would spend to send groups down to the U.S. or Caribbean, 
but you get to support a Manitoba business instead and see why all those businesses outside Manitoba love sending their people to Aikens. Um, and if you, if any of you are in university right now or looking for a great summer job in paradise with the most incredible people, Aikens would be a great thing to look into. Um, Perfect summer job to earn and save money for university students. They could back home in the fall and have enough to pay tuition and some rent and maybe a little beer money left over. Looking for a few guides and servers for the 2023 season. So if you want out more, you can find out more. Uh, either that or on booking at pit at AkinsLake.com. All right, let's do a quick master's run for our friends over at Breezy Bend. Breezy, of course, uh, helping us out with our uh, master's pool. Shout out to everyone that got in. Still early, but um, come Monday, we'll let you know who uh, was winning passes to go play Breezy with carts. And a hat and some balls from our friends over at TaylorMade and Eric Johnson. Check out Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs with a championship course, top-notch practice facilities, and the best 19th hole around on their beautiful Course side patio. Find out more about becoming a member at breezybend.ca or call our pal Corey Johnson for more information on becoming a member. All right, as I said, our golf reports for Breezy and no better golf tournament to report on than this one today. As I mentioned, when we were finishing up with Scott, John Rom birdie the 18th hole. He doubled the first hole with a four putt, as Ken mentioned went nine under the rest of the way. He and Vic Hovland are in the clubhouse with the lead at seven under par. Cam Young's at five under. And uh, Shane Lowry, Xander Shoffley, Adam Scott in the clubhouse at four under. Brooks Kepka and Joachim Neiman, both live players, also at four under, playing on the back nine. Just looking at some other names. Uh, Sam Burns at four under. Jordan Spieth at three under right now. Justin Thomas and Cam Smith in at two under. Jason Day's at two under right now. Morikawa, Scotty Scheffler, Tom Kim. Patrick Reed <clears throat> had a nice start. He finished up at one under. Or sorry, yeah, one under along with Pat Cantley. Phil Mickelson is out on the course right now. One under par right now. Tony Finau's playing this eighth hole. He's one under. Mike Weir finished even for the day. Great round for Mike. We'll see if he ends up playing on the weekend. Um, even par right now for Dustin Johnson, Corey Connors, Justin Rose as well. I'm looking to see where our pal Rory McIlroy is. And, uh, geez, Rory just doubled the seventh hole. He's two over par right now. He'll look to get into some red numbers as the uh, action continues at Augusta National. All right. Um, just before we get to the cool bet lines and uh, well, our marbles race. And again, uh, last call for marbles right now, exclamation mark marbles in the chat. Busy night tonight in the national hockey league. Got some picks up in the latest lock shop. Make sure you check out the lock shop bets on YouTube and give us a sub over there. Leafs and Bruins, a potential second round playoff matchup. Dare I say Leaf fans? Probably not. Uh, Boston minus 150 favorites at home against the Leafs. Uh, pick them between Buffalo and Detroit in Detroit. The Panthers have to have it tonight. They're in a playoff spot. They got to keep winning. They're minus 234 favorites against the Ottawa Senators. Washington and Montreal. Washington, a road favorite at minus 166. Devils, a massive 405 favorite at home to the Blue Jackets. Big game for both the Central Division and the Eastern playoff race tonight. 
Minnesota at Pittsburgh. Wild, a plus 112 underdog. Pittsburgh, much like Florida, has to have it. They're on the outside right now. They're at minus 131. And then the other team that's in that mix in the East is the New York Islanders. They're at home to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'll be honest, I'm surprised they're as big of a favorite as they are. Minus 149 for the Lightning tonight. And then, of course, is the Predators. Predators are at home, a plus 162 underdog against Rod the Bod and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Rangers minus 157 faves in St. Louis. The Dallas Stars, a big minus 253 fave at home against Philly. And the Vancouver Canucks taken on the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, minus 242. Kings and Golden Knights in Vegas. Potential playoff matchup, minus 123 for Vegas. Coyotes cracking in Seattle. Seattle, a big home fave. And the Colorado Avalanche, minus 222 favorites on the road against the San Jose Sharks. Love live betting for the Masters throughout the uh, the week and weekend, uh, as well as round two matchups and more. Check it all out at coolbet.com and use the promo code WST if you haven't played there before for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. Uh, it basically feels like just about every team in the league is playing tonight except for the Jets and Flames, Ream. And then tomorrow, a dark day in the National Hockey League with no games. Good Friday. I guess they don't want to have any games or everyone's watching the Masters. So, I mean, that's fine. Get a nice day off from hockey. But, yeah, Jets and Flames played yesterday. Oilers played two in a row uh, leading in to yesterday. So, they're not playing. Anaheim, I don't think, is playing either. I'm trying to think. But, yeah, a lot of games on tonight. Um, one thing we didn't touch on, us. do you want to look at the standings for uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk? Uh, pool here for the Masters. Yeah, yeah. Let me know what's. I happening. know it's really early, but it's uh, never too early to check your lineups and check out what's going on. But here, uh, BA split in first place, tied Doctor Drades. Uh, Who, who's see, who's BA got on his squad? BA, who's frequent chatter. Shout out to BA, John, he, John Rom and uh, and uh, uh, Vic. He got Rom, Cameron Young, Brooks, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, Colin Morikawa. It drops your lowest two, so he's got Justin Thomas and Tiger uh, that aren't counting right now. Pretty, pretty nice. You want to well, see? Good luck to everyone. Check it if, out. I'm not if, sure where. Uh, where if I'm you at go right filter now. by label, I made a WST hosts and guests. Oh, nice tab. Uh, Austin Siragusa. From, he hasn't been on the show, but he was the goose. He's with, he's with the Manitoba Moose. You can see him on there. Uh, he was out media. at uh, he was out at Little Brown Jug with Team Goose for the uh, the sports so, trivia night. He's actually tied with me uh, in first right now. So among uh, this category, nicely yet uh, nicely done. Oh. Well, I mean, I guess Rory's probably got some pretty big ownership, but uh, we need Rory to get it together right now. Yeah, um, I um. I tried to I emailed the office and like, can I get some percentages on how much everyone's rostered? And they said no. So I'm, <laughs> it ain't DraftKings. Sorry. Yeah. You don't, so, you, don't, you don't get that number. I guess we didn't pay them enough money. Uh, they are like, hockey, <laughs> we can do that, but not golf. So here's my team. I know I had John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Fino, Morikawa, Thomas, Connors. I took DJ and Matt Hughes. All right, so sounds good. What uh, what's mine? I think I have Minwoo Lee, and Minwoo did not have a nice run. I well, you get two huge. drops. Yeah, Minwoo and Rory are drops right now. But you got Brooks, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Day, Finau, Sungjae, and, and DJ. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot I took Brooks. Oh, take that right now. Anyways, it's early, but uh, good luck to everyone. And uh, we'll let you know on Monday who the winner of our uh, big prize pack. Thanks again to Breezy Ben and TaylorMade for supporting our first ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Masters Pool. All right. I talked about this, Ken, quickly, but do want to mention to you, uh, Moose are actually playing tonight. I'm going to be heading to the game this evening. Um, but we're going to be rallying the storm next week. And this is going to be perfect because the Jets are off. The final game of the regular season is Thursday against the Colorado Avalanche. And then Friday and Saturday night, game one and game two of round two for the ice after they swept Medicine Hat in the first round of the playoffs, four games to zero. Um, so round two tickets are on sale right now. Go to the ICE website, and Remo, we're paying close attention to the possibility of Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats being the visitors. Now, they won the first two games on the road against Saskatoon, lost the last two, both in overtime. I think three of the four games have gone to OT, but I think there's still a good chance, considering how tight these games are, that Bedard will be the difference maker, and wouldn't that be amazing for hockey fans here to see the loaded ice go up against the consensus and clear-cut number one pick in the draft. And I'm sure that'd be a big challenge for Zach Benson as well, who will hear his name called a few picks after uh, Connor does when uh, we get to Nashville. Yeah, it's something we'll have to keep an eye on, the ice puffs. If it's uh, ice versus Pats, might have to get out and and check that. I was not able to see him uh, here earlier this year, but I imagine that would be a hot ticket here for uh, some playoff hockey at the ice skate. All right, let's uh let's do some marbles here. What um Sure. We've got everyone in, closed it up and uh going to fire many, uh, fire it yeah, in. Yeah, we we got uh 145 entries and has I don't know if you were following the chat today. Maybe it's because of the disappointment of the Jets game last night, but a lot of talk about fast food and comedy movies. Throughout oh. the afternoon, so I had fun. I did enjoy telling people that I have never seen Slapshot. That's always uh, a blast. Hey, speaking Tell of um, yeah. speaking of fast food, what's the latest on this Arby's? Well, that was a topic. It's to... not open. That was a topic. And there was a chatter um, honk who claimed that he's he spoofed a U.S. address to order in like their sauces to his house. <laughs> And Scott hey, Billick actually entered the chat. I'm a big, I'm a big Arby's sauce. I'm a big Arby's sauce guy. Well, I'm, I just love Arby's, period. And whenever that place opens, I will be going down for a beef and cheddar at the soonest possible opportunity. Curly fries as well. I don't normally have curly fries, but uh, I had curly fries actually recently at Hooters, and they were they were elite. So I'm actually getting back on the curly fry train. So. Uh, Anyways, Arby's, let, keep keep us posted on that, and we will do a uh, we'll have to do a welcome back Arby's review or something on the show when uh, when they do uh, when they do get going. Yeah, our food. We keep talking about doing food reviews, but we haven't done as many as we like. You did the uh, Gold Eyes food review, I know, but something. Well, we'll I definitely think... do some more at the at the ballpark, and we're actually really looking forward to doing some real fun stuff with the Gold Eyes. Tickets on sale for the upcoming season right now. Get on over to goldeyes.com for that, uh, as well as the Sea Bears. I did pick up, and actually, maybe we'll do this for a YouTube short or something. 
the Mars bar, Mars cookie dough bar. What? You heard me. You heard me. It's new. I had one the other day. I saw it and basically jumped on it and actually was, I, I did like it, but we'll do something for video very soon. But it is available at your local 7-Eleven, or at least my local 7-Eleven right now. So look at it. The uh, the Mars Cookie Dough Bar, um, which, um, as they say, is pretty damn good. Hustler approved and uh, recommended if you uh, if you got a sweet tooth. Uh, all right, let's do some marbles here. Sure, I'm trying to think if I had anything else to say. Oh, yeah, I do want to say I'll give a shout-out before we start, Huss. Um, I mentioned wanted to mention this yesterday. Shout-out to Fred... Uh, Perchalak, who ordered a WST snapback. He ordered the last one of this edition, Huss, on our website yesterday. Right on, uh, Fred. Two, so, uh, you know, Royal Sports has them. You're going to need a hat for the summer. And check out our website, WinnipegSports. So click on the store, uh, WinnipegSportsTalk.com, and check that out. So shout out to Fred for that yeah. order. And I do also want to mention to the podcast listeners that we had an issue with Apple Podcasts not updating fast enough. Yesterday, I got on their ass and tried to be like, hey, come on, we're time-sensitive show here. So Let's I would say if you are on, on, make sure you got two podcast apps on your phone. Sometimes Apple or Spotify doesn't uh, doesn't update fast enough. I don't know. There's a bunch of other ones. Uh, Pocket Cast, people like. But yeah, uh, so sorry to all the podcast listeners who uh, maybe didn't get it as quickly as they would have like. Not my fault. It's, I blame Apple. Uh, and you know what? And a good reason to go in and check out uh, the YouTube channel. If you're yes. normally an audio listener, you can always get it um, as soon as we're live over at um, uh, over on YouTube at uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk or Sports Talk WPG. Um, all right, uh, let's get a little Tristan Rivers music going here, Remo. Before uh, it's Marvel's yeah. time, I gotta pick the song. We went with the OG song yesterday. And I'll pick a different. Let's get one some some good vibes today. Some good vibes. Uh, all right. Well, let's do this. Day, another week of work's gone by. You deserve to treat yourself, maybe an ice cream cake or a bottle of rye. That was a good choice. That was a really good choice. The sticks <laughs> version of the WST Marble Race. Um, by the way, we do have um, 
we'll do obviously we've got the uh, the hoodies and shout out i saw my buddy scott ship them last night at the game shout out to shippy and shipman associates we uh, should have those hoodies in the next week or so um so again we've got a, we're a little backed up owing a few on them but uh, they will be here soon um it's also moose game tomorrow night so uh, whoever comes in second got four tickets for the game tomorrow um so uh we'll uh if you're able to go and want to go we'll have some moose tickets for uh for second place uh and of course moose playing tonight as well against grand rapids going to be taking that one in checking in the moose as they try and uh, get back in the wind column getting ready for the calder cup playoffs coming up soon uh all right remo what uh, let's go how many marbles we got where are we going today yeah, before I we go, um, which do you want to add anyone in? People are asking for uh, celebratory marbles. All right. Well, let's. Because um, last week we had the um, eye roll. Yeah, the eye, the, the eye roll. Um, how about biggest game of the year? Okay. Biggest, biggest game of the year marble because we've got another one yeah, coming people up are on asking Saturday. For Rutger, Rutger, because he's in action tonight, Rutger McGrory with Michigan. Yes, Frozen 4. Fro- sure, let's give one for Rutger. And that's on TSN+. Plus. So if you have TSN on your cable provider, you got to log in with it on their website or on one of their apps. I use Firestick. Worked pretty well to watch bonus Masters coverage, too. So I'll give TSN props for this TSN+. Uh, plus. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, we'll make that happen. Yeah. Um, uh, why don't, why don't we put one marble that says must win and one marble that says can't lose. Okay. Done. Done. And people are giving a shout out to Dale Howard checks would have been his 60th birthday earlier this week. I'm not sure if that's, you know, marble, but we should, we didn't really mention it. And Mike Weir, people giving shout out to Mike Weir. Is this, I kind of like the end of the week. Actually, you know what? Let's give one to Corey Connors. Because Corey okay. Connors just won the Valero last week. He is Canada's top hope at the Masters right now. And, of course, he's coached by our pal Derek Ingram of Winnipeg down at Augusta trying to get Corey a green jacket. A lot of shout-outs here for Morgan Barron's breakaway or his shootout goal uh, the other night. That was That was an awesome moment. You know what? Morgan Barron's turned into a fan favorite. I don't mind giving Morgan Barron a marble as well. Sure. Okay. We got them all. All right. And we got 151 names. Nicely done. Nicely done. Even for uh, even for uh, a Thursday show when people aren't usually uh, thinking, oh, oh, there's Colin Markow oh. missing a putt. Jay Brooks Miller. is up to minus five right now, by the way. Yeah. Jay Miller says, uh, rest in peace, Bushwhacker Butch passed away earlier this week. What? I saw that one. Wow, I did. I actually did not see that one. Uh, maybe it was all the WrestleMania hype or something like that. Yeah, I got one for a... Cody Cody Rhodes for losing uh, again. Yeah, no one can beat that away. damn Roman Reigns. He's got everyone Roman coming Reigns. in doing interference. What is this? I... <laughs> you know what? Once again, I've said this for a while, but professional wrestling has a real officiating problem. I don't know when they're <laughs> going to get that. I don't know when they're going to get that taken care of, but. It's just really, really, really harming the product. Um, uh, what are we right. doing? What are we doing here? The gauntlet? What's that one? Is that one good? How about the funnel? Yeah, the funnel. Right, well, let's let's the check funnel. out the gauntlet. It seems to be a long one. I can't remember it. So uh, let me just load the names before I before we go with the list from yesterday. Yeah. 
make sure we get it in there. You want to check out which one? Uh, was it the gauntlet or the funnel? You want the funnel? I'll do the funnel. Okay, yeah, the funnels. The funnel's a good one. It's I know the funnel's solid. By the way, I'm just looking at these picks for uh, for tonight. Um, what do we have here? Boston Bruins, home to the Leafs. Panthers, home to the Senators, and Canucks minus one and a half, plus three seventy seven. There's our parlay for tonight. All right, here we are. The funnel, a Thursday edition of WST Marble Race, because tomorrow's Good Friday. Tonight is Bad Thursday. Have a good time, but not too much fun. And then Masters all day tomorrow, heading into the weekend. Huge game Saturday night for the Jets. And uh, we'll be back on Monday to break it all down and get ready for the Sharks and Jets in the final home game of the regular season. And I believe that's fan appreciation night as well. Being said, we're uh, the long weekend doesn't start until the marbles are dropped. Good luck to everyone playing for a WST hoodie. Thanks again to our friends at Chipman Associates for jumping on board with those. Let's do it, Remo. All right. Gary M. Al Broderick. Oh, there's my pal Todd Fratani with a nice start. D. Mikaluk, looking good. This is another one where a good start early on can really, really help someone. Elliot had the big lead yesterday, just did not last. Who do we have today? Who will be the first one down in the lead? It's Dan Jets fan. Dan's been hot. He and the Niners, co-winners of sports trivia last week. Uh, Coops, Winnipeg Walter. Huh, Winnipeg Walter, Marvel's legend. Shout out to Walter. We got his tickets ready for the Bombers, the season tickets, courtesy of Consolidated Supply. Um, don't forget, April 20th, 2 to 8 p.m., Consolidated Supply. We're going to have fun down there at their uh, their grand opening. We'll pop by. Jan Jets fan and Quoops right now. Winnipeg Walter, Seeker 54, Trevor Thicket as well, but uh, Dan Jets fan with the lead right now, but there's still many more funnels and more issues. Let's see if he can get through this bit or does he get stalled? No, nope. a nice, nice transition for Dan now into one of two funnels before we get going. Who's it going to be making it first through? It's actually Coops. Coops with the very, very nice move in the small funnel. Now we're going into the big funnel. Oh, Greg M. and Schickster just got top roped. And so did Vinny. Uh, Coops and David Zirk right now. David Zirk with the big move in the big funnel now into the lead. Coops right behind them. We're getting down to the short strokes here. Can David Zirk manage to get through this next section of the course in first place? Or will he get caught? We are coming right down to it. It looks like it's a two-horse race. David Zirk in first. Coops in second. He's been close to first all along. Uh-oh. This is... Uh, okay, David Zirk is in as the winner. Another first-time winner. DZ, nice work. I don't believe he's ever done it before. Daryl Borowski, Comet. Joe Deharnay. Trevor Thicket continuing our top 10. Daryl Saley, Travis, SK. Nice work, SK. 
and Neil McIntyre, all top 10. Um, hey, Coops, or CU, if I'm not pronouncing that right, um, let me know in chat if you're there if you want four tickets for the Moose game tomorrow night. Uh, and if that is the case, we will hook you up. And otherwise, if Coops doesn't want it, um, you can send me a DM. Is, is Coops here? There's David Zerk. Nicely done. Coops, yeah, I chat. see you all, almost all there. Coops, do you want to go to the Moose game tomorrow? Four nice seats for the game. Let us know. David, you let us know. Uh, send us an email. Um, WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail.com. Let us know what size you are. And again, we're going to be getting the new shipment of hoodies from our friends at Shipham coming up in, well, hopefully in the next week or so. Although I guess I'm going to be away next week. So probably the week, uh, probably the week after. Uh, has Coops told us whether they want to go to the game tomorrow yet? No, it's, he says, oh, Coops, yes. Coops says, wants, yes. Okay, right says, on. Okay, Coops, send an email to uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com and just says, let us know. I don't need them. I think he was oh, saying he, yes to he was here. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. He said, okay, no problem, no problem. He says he's in Texas. Oh, <laughs> tough, tough to make the game. Um, Daryl Morosky, you're third. If you want those tickets, send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And uh, as I say, we'll uh, we'll uh, get you hooked up. And uh, otherwise, we'll um, maybe do an Instagram contest or something like that. I guess if it's tomorrow... Um, is if Daryl Morosky wants them, he's got them, send us that email. Otherwise, if someone wants to send me a DM on Twitter, at Hustlerama, uh, if I do have them, I'll pick somebody that uh, sent them in and uh, send you with four tickets to tomorrow's Good Friday Manitoba Moose game. Uh, actually heading down there tonight, Remo. Looking forward to seeing uh, the Moose and get together with a bunch of old friends from uh, the old days working with the Moose back uh before the Jets came back. So it should be a, should be a fun night. Get away from uh, everything that happened last night. Have a great day tomorrow. And then uh, get ready to bring it on Saturday night as the Nashville Predators come to town. Biggest game of the... Oh, i got to scroll down on these. <laughs> Biggest game of the year, Saturday night. Uh, expecting an electric crowd has people know the magnitude of this game i would say it is definitely a must win i mean so one of these games it is has to be a must win you gotta keep pace with calgary here and uh and sorry in nashville like they're chasing you you gotta beat them gotta win one of these two and then win again on uh monday against san you know jose yeah you gotta win the exactly next two. exactly you the don't want to go games are needing to wins. win yeah can't go into the road Against Minnesota, who's owned you all year, and Colorado, who's in first. I guess they're both first, technically. Needing but we're needing to win games. both of those. Win the next two, and, you know, we'll see what happens. So, there there you go. Right on, right on. Okay, well, listen, folks. Uh, as I say, uh, Daryl Morosky, let us know if you want those seats. Otherwise, if uh, you're out there, hit me up. And if uh, I've got them, we'll send them out to somebody via Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be at the game tonight, and uh, if you're at the Moose game, come and say hi. Otherwise, we'll be up in 316, bringing it Saturday night to see if uh, Jets can get back in the wind column and get a little closer 
to locking down that playoff spot, which is going to go right through next week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to all of our guests. Great Jet show today with Billick, Rowicki, and Ken Weeb joining us today. Of course, we're off tomorrow for Good Friday. Hope everyone has a great Easter weekend. We'll be back for a game day edition one more time for the home regular season schedule on Monday as the Jets take on the San Jose Sharks with more on Saturday's game against the Preds and a look ahead to the final kick at the can in the regular season for the Jets on home ice. Uh, Everyone, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk if you don't mind and help us grow the channel. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit the thumbs up on your way out. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Masters. And we'll see you Monday right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 